The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Roll call, please. Roll call, Mayor Garrett. Present. Present. This, this, um, and I. Sorry, everyone. Much better. Much better. Thank you. Thank you. Um, present uh, from Lather Village, Michigan, Oakland County. Oakland County. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor. I'm uh, here, uh, Lathrop Village, Oakland County, Michigan. Council Member Ferguson. Present, Oakland County, Michigan, Lathrop Village. Council Member Mitchell. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's coming. It's coming on. Just need one of these on. Yeah. One moment, everyone. Did you hear me before? Two are on behind you, Jim. One more. Let that one off. Oh, oh, back in so we can see if yeah. there's a feedback because it might just be, I don't know. There's no feedback right now. Do I hit this Okay, now 
see if we got feedback. Let's see if we got feedback. Oh, go to mute. Mute yours. Okay. In your mute. I'm muting. So can we hear? So, like Ian, Ian can you say something? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, thank you. Okay, Madam Clerk, where did we leave off at? We left off at Council Member Medley. Uh, Don Medley, present, Lathrop Village, Oakland County, Michigan. And Council Member Sadiqi. Here, Lathrop Village, Michigan, Oakland County. Madam Mayor, do you have a quorum? Who are you calling? I'm sorry. You have a quorum. Oh, thank yeah, you. you have a quorum. <laughs> thank you. Um, I invite everyone that is in the chambers at home and downstairs and in the meeting room to uh, say the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And, and to, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, I would take a motion for the approval of minutes, but I think what we're going to do first is we're going to switch around yeah. um, some of the items on the agenda. Go I'll, ahead. I'll make a motion to uh, uh, switch uh, items 10 and 11 uh, on the agenda. So making 11, 10, and 10, 11. Second. It's been moved and second. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call, Council Member Ferguson. Yes. Mayor Garrett. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor. Yes. Council Member Medley. Yes. And Council Member Sudiki. Yes. Motion carry. To, so you're switching 11, 10 to 11. Right. Correct. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, next I'll uh, take approval for the agenda. Well, yeah. That was, that was just switching the 10 and 11, I thought. No, but that the motion was to approve the agenda. With oh, okay. Yeah. So sorry. We don't have any presentations, correct? Correct. We do not have anything for the Zoning Board of Appeals, correct? Correct. And we are um, needing approval for the consent agenda. All items listed under consent agenda are considered to be routine and non-controversial by the city council and will be approved by one motion. There'll be no separate discussion. If a discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and discussed separately immediately after the consent agenda approval in its normal sequence on the regular agenda. Make a motion like to, to approve the consent agenda. Second. It's been moved and second. Any discussion overall? No discussion. Right, I know. <laughs> Caught myself. Uh, next, we will move on to the disbursement. Report. Um, I need to do the roll call, please. I'm sorry, no discussion, but yes, the roll call. All right. 
Sorry. Okay. Roll call. Mayor Garrett. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor. Yes. Councilmember Medley. Yes. Councilmember Siddiqui. Yes. And Councilmember Ferguson. Yes. Consent agenda adopted. Motion carries. Thank you. Next, we'll go on to the disbursement report. This monthly disbursement report is for June 2021 and the fourth quarter investment report for staple there for periods ending June 30th, 2021. I'll uh, make a motion to uh, approve the uh, June disbursement report for 2149 2,149,537.34. Uh, comprised of dollars spent from the general fund in the neighborhood of $617,000, uh, $484,000 in the major road fund, uh, $487,000 in the local road fund, uh, $10,000 capital fund, $41,000 from the DDA, and $509,000 in the water and sewer department. Second. It's been moved and second. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. Councilmember Medley? Yes. Councilmember Siddiqui? Yes. Councilmember Ferguson? Yes. And Mayor Garrett? Yes. Motion carry for the disbursement report. Thank you. Next, we have the departmental reports. First up is the building department report and the clerk election report, community and economic development report, code enforcement report, finance water department report, downtown development authority report, police department report, recreation parks and facility report. And I'll need approval for both. Does anyone need to speak out about any reports, anything that's standing out that you want us to talk about or hear? Okay, hearing none, then we're gonna to move to the public hearing and the public hearing is, I'm we sorry. Motion and second to accept the department reports. I'll make a motion to um, accept the departmental reports. Second. It's been moved and second. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call. Councilmember Medley? Yes. Councilmember Siddiqui? Yes. Councilmember Ferguson? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. And Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. Motion carried to accept the department reports. Thank you. Now we'll go into the public um, hearings uh, to discuss the appro approving uh, plans and estimate for ditch repair for Cambridge Boulevard and to direct city treasurer to make a special assessment role number one. So I'm opening up the public hearing. You have the three minutes also for the public hearing. Yeah, Madam Mayor, prior to that, I would ask that the city engineer introduce this project. Okay. Um, providing cost he, he's the one that prepared the cost estimates um, so if we if mr ringler could address that just as an introduction mr ringler sure thank you 
so this project is, is of course a special assessment. It's for drainage improvements along Cambridge from Southfield Road to Lathrop Boulevard. Uh, we basically looked at two different options. One is a reditching option, which currently there's, there's ditching mainly on the south side of the road and very limited on the north side of the road, uh, generally because all the trees that are on the north side of the road. So uh, we did look at doing some ditching. However, uh, the green belts on both sides of the road are only about 10 foot wide. So it makes it difficult to do ditching uh, without having a really steep ditch that's pretty much unmowable. So we looked at the sec second option of doing an under drain system. So we came up with installing an eight inch perforated pipe uh, laid across the, uh, the south side of the road from Lathrop Boulevard to the alley uh, near Southfield Road. And because of all the trees on the north side of the road, we installed some piping from the south side to the north side with some drainage structures and some edge drain uh, where we could install that due to the trees on the north side. Uh, is, as an example for that road, a villa in San Rosa up near 12 Mile and Southfield was done that way, I think back in 2007. Uh, so is what we're able to do by installing that under drain with a perforated pipe, we're able to remove the existing culverts and we wouldn't reinstall culverts. We'd have the under drain system. So it'd just be uh, new driveways and uh, grading of the entire green belt. Uh, and it'd be a very soft swale. I would envision that swale would be no more than about one foot deep uh, near the drainage structures. Uh, again, we've had good success up in a villa in San Rosa. It, it drains really uh, well through them ditches in that green belt area. Uh, as far as the cost estimate, uh, so we put together all the work items uh, that we would envision, uh, including demolition. Some of the costs for the driveway and some landscaping would be paid for by the city. Uh, typically they pay for the first three or four feet of landscaping and driveway repairs if we were to reconstruct the road. So uh, the city is paying for a small portion of the driveways and, and the landscaping, which isn't shown on this estimate that would be uh, included in the bond issue for the road work. So uh, based on, on the, uh, the quantities and the unit prices, the estimated construction cost came up to be, I think it's $81,000. Uh, we included engineering and uh, a 15% contingency on top of that. I, I, I don't have my second page. I think that final was about $107,000. 107,652. Yeah. And so we would envision that project being bid, if it is approved, we would bid it in accordance and in conjunction with the paving program. Uh, so that would be part of the paving program. Uh, we would have all these work quantities and items separately so we could figure out the final cost for the SAD portion. Yeah, and, and Scott, I, I'd like to add as well, um, I know we did talk about this in the study session, but I've, there's probably other people here from the public hearing who weren't here for that. But um, the reason this, this project is, is, is being uh, proposed is because we are planning on, on paving Cambridge, that section of Cambridge uh, next summer as part of the, 
uh, road, uh, the, the, the millage that was approved for the three-year road program. Um, part of the recommendation that was made to council and approved by council indicated that um, uh, that, the, that the ditches needed to be uh, repaired on any road uh, that we were going to repave because if we have non-functioning ditches, uh, what that does is allows water to accumulate underneath the road, uh, seeps in from the ditches and, and degrades the road from within and we lose about 10% of the um, uh, of the life of the road. So basically we would be wasting 10% of the, the taxpayer money on this project. So for, uh, I don't know, I don't remember what the cost, I think it was 132,000 uh, to pave that, that stretch of road. So we'd be th basically throwing $13,000 away. Um, so the, uh, in, in, for example, this year, in most cases, we were able to uh, repair the ditches with very, very minor costs, but uh, Cambridge is a, is a very, very big problem. Uh, in terms of uh, non-functioning ditches. Um, in fact, because of the, the magnitude of, of, I guess, failure of those ditches to uh, operate properly, we could probably expect even more than 10% of, of, of loss there. So um, if the residents uh, decide not to do the special assessment, the residents on that street, the property owners, um, then that road will not, not be paved and it will, it will just go back into the queue. Um, we have we're paving seven miles over over the three years starting this summer. Uh, and after that, you know, uh, barring any influx of, of, of cash, which we're not expecting, um, you know, we go back to the road maintenance program that we had before, which was only doing about 0.3 miles uh, a year. So it's going to be a very, it would be a very, very long time before Cambridge would be back up. That section of Cambridge would be uh, back up on the list for, um, for paving. So just uh, wanted to point that out. So now we can open the uh, public hearing and each person gets uh, three minutes to be heard. Um, we will give you a maybe warning shot when you're coming up on 10 seconds or so, which is better for you, 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, Madam Mayor. When you, yes. Just, just a quick question for clarification. So, um, uh, Scott Wrangler stated uh, the SAD portion. Can you clarify just so everyone is is understanding what that is? It's a, it's a special assessment district. That's what it stands for. SAD stands for Special Assessment District, um, and it's basically where the the, the city uh, proposes a, a project, or it actually could come from the residents, which it kind of did in this this particular case. Right. Um, and, and then we propose the project. Um, the special assessment district is created, um, which we've done. I think it has 13 properties in it. Uh, and then it goes to public hearing, uh, which we're doing tonight. Um, assuming uh, there, there's not a large objection, then the process will move forward. If there are enough objections, then the, then the process dies. And, and as, as I said earlier, then we'll also uh, take that road off of the, um, the paving list for next year and substitute with a different road. Okay, all right, thanks for clarification. Thank you. Will you state your name and address for the record, please? Charles Green, 19061 San Diego Boulevard. So this has got nothing to do with the Cambridge issue. Okay, so it, this first one, I'm sorry to inter uh, interrupt you, Mr. Green. This first one is a public hearing just for the Cambridge Street. Well, it, it, let, let me just continue for a, a moment. It'll take only a moment. Okay. I, it sounds like Cambridge is going to turn into a 
another assessment to take care of the problem of not keeping the drainage system in order. So I've taken care of my property two times over the years, I've been there 50 years, and I paid for it myself. And I don't want to be part of any public offering or arrangement or bond or whatever. That's what my concern was. Well, thank you. Is there more time left? Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, the only thing I'd say that wouldn't affect you. This is only for those 13 residents who live on that street. This is not for uh, the, the general population. It's a special assessment, which just affects 13 properties. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Green. Okay. Okay. So, um, you have two hands raised. I'm going to go back to, um, was it Miss Bay? Is she still there? Yeah, Miss Bay. Yes. Hello. Hello. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can go ahead. Um, well, you've answered a few questions. I, I still had some concerns about um, due to disrupted supply lines about the cost of current cost of materials and labor. Um, was that taken into consideration? And then I was wondering about the actual payments and how that was going to, you know, if we're going to do installments, is that coming in our taxes? Is there going to be you sort of alluded to an administration fee or um, interest rate or something like that. So if we're going to be in installments, um, I'd like to know what what the extra cost is going to be on that. Thank you. I'm sure you want to answer that one too, don't you? Uh, well, I mean, the, the, <laughs> I, I think Scott uh, Ringler needs to address the whether or not cost increases were accounted for. I know he put a 15% uh, contingency in there. Um, Scott, can you address that? Yeah, so so the costs that are in the unit prices in the estimate were taking from uh, from the 2021 road paving bond issue. Uh, so, so them were them were dollars that were bid this past summer for the work that's currently uh, going on in Lathrop. Uh, there are a few items such as the storm sewer. Uh, you know, we have historical data that we've used. We've added some inflation to it. Uh, you never know what a bid's going to come in like, but that's our, you know, that's our opinion. What the cost is going to come in at? Uh, it, it's it definitely possible not, it would be less. It's possible it could be less. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Where are we at with time? Uh, one more okay, you have one more uh, minute, Miss Faye. Uh, again, I'm just, I've just had questions about installment payments and extra fees. If I don't Charles like cut a check for the whole thing, and when is when are you going to have the actual cost? Not right now. It's just an estimate, right? So we need to find out what the actual costs are going to be, and and et cetera. Yeah. Correct. So, Miss um, Faye, we typically bid these projects out in in the winter. So I would envision this being bid out in January or early February, with with bids due in March. Uh, so at that time is when we would know what the cost would be. 
Okay. And if, I mean, if there's issues with, you know, like I said, the cost of labor and materials right now is just, it's sky high. I mean, there's, I guess we're just kind of stuck with bad timing. I, I don't have a great answer for that one. Uh, you know, these bids come in high, low, we never know until we bid a project. I mean, the timing on this is pretty lousy. That's all I'm saying in terms of cost. Thank you, Ms. Faye. Your uh, time is up right Thank now. You. Um, you're welcome. Um, Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to add that with special assessments and in general, and with this um, one in particular, um, the residents, the property owners would have the 10 years to spread the payments out. And we um, have the administrative fee if those are, um, if they are utilizing that payment system and we add the $50 for each year that um, that those payments are spread over that period of time, should the property um, be sold during that interim period, um, the full amount that is the balance due would be um, paid at the time of sale. Thank you. Um, next, Mr. Ello, I hope I'm saying your name right, wrong, I mean, right. Sorry. You have a comment about uh, during the public hearing for about Cambridge? You're on mute. Uh, this is only regarding Cambridge. If it is, then I don't want to speak at this time, if that's okay. Okay, thank you. Yes, this is the public hearing for uh, Cambridge. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Is there anyone else that has a question regarding or a comment regarding the public hearing for Cambridge? Does anyone have any comments or questions for the public hearing regarding Cambridge? You do have two head. Thank you. The first one I have um, I see is Don Parker. Mr. Parker? Yes. Um... My name is Don Parker. I actually live at 17631 Cambridge. I'm actually on that block uh, between Southfield and Lathrop um, Village Boulevard. Um, a resident for 30 plus years. Um, two, two questions. Um, there was mention of a, um, one of the other streets that were uh, paved in the past or the ditches were uh, re, uh, you know, redone and there, was there a past assessment and how, how was that handled with those residents on that block is one question. And then the other question that I had is uh, in regard to, I'm on the south side of Cambridge uh, and the north side does have all of the trees that are located in those ditches. And so it sounded like they wanted to run the piping over to the south side, you know, how, in that uh, assessment that was done or the evaluation, are they going to clear out those trees? And, and what is the guarantee, for example, that this just won't, you know, be a problem uh, continued on in the future? I, I just don't, I'm trying to see that and visualize that. Thank you. Thank you. How much minute, how many minutes do you? Um, Scott Ringler, can we yeah. uh, direct those questions to you? Because it's also about the trees. Ms. Faye had a question about the trees also. So if you could do that one first and then how is the past assessments done? So as far as the trees, that's the main reason we wanna run it on the south side of the road. Uh, I think there's four or five trees on the south side. 
and there's already an existing ditch on the south side. So I don't envision this pipe being buried more than a about a foot, foot and a half below grade. Uh, and then from there, we would run leads to the north side. And then we would only install as much under drain as we can in the east-west direction until we start running into, you know, closer to the trees. So I, I don't envision any trees having to be removed. Uh, and I think to answer your question on the uh, the San Rosa Avila project, the city received a grant. This is the top of my head. I think for about eighty percent of that project back in two thousand and I want to say it was two thousand and seven. So the city got a demonstration grant for that project. Right, and Scott, wasn't that done as as you said as a demonstration so that we could kind of proof of concept for the future, which is come now essentially yeah. it, it was and you know incorporated with that we did rain gardens i think on 10 or 11 properties up there uh in the green belts so that was part of the demonstration was doing uh rain gardens thank you thank you um next i see i just saw it it's delay it's just delay Yes, yes, Crystal A. Okay, sorry about that. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm actually here. Um, it's both my husband and I. Um, so I think he's going to ask some of the questions. Thanks. Yeah, so no right now, um, the south side, which is the side we live at 17579 Cambridge Boulevard, the south side doesn't really have as much of a flooding problem with the sidewalks as the north side does. So one of the questions is, is this going to address the flooding of the sidewalks on the northbound side? And what is going to guarantee that we're not going to then receive uh, flooding on the south side based on overflow? Um, Scott, can you yeah. I'm hand that over? Well, yeah, so, you know, is what we would be doing is we would be grading, regrading the green belts uh, from the sidewalks to the road with a small uh, swale so that the water will get off the road and will get off the, the sidewalk as long as that sidewalk is sloped correctly. Uh, as far as flooding on the south side, I don't envision that. We will design the storm sewer uh, and size it enough to, uh, to accept that drainage. Uh, as far as the amount of flow that would come into there. And, and you know, granted, a little bit of water in the ditch isn't a bad thing because it, you know, it keeps that peak flow from being out of the main sewer system. Okay, and a follow-up question Thank to you. that would be, how how is this impacting the driveway? So I know that there is going to be a modification to the driveways, but what is that modification? because we've already reinstalled in our driveway when we replaced it, we've already replaced the, the pipe that goes underneath that just a few years ago. Yeah, so that, that culvert would be removed and it would not be replaced because we'll have a storm sewer underneath where that current culvert is running the entire length from the alley at Southfield all the way down to Lathrop Boulevard. So and then, then we going to go underneath my driveway a uh, uh, perforated pipe. Perforated pipe under the driveway. Yes. Yeah. The full full length. 
okay. of your of your property. And I guess one other question with that is, um, so will the driveway then be replaced? Um, I mean, like what you guys have to tear up? Because like he said, we just like paid several thousand dollars to have our entire driveway repaid a few years ago. Yeah, so, so we have put in the budget to replace the entire driveway from the sidewalk to the road. Okay. Okay. And there won't be any tearing up of the actual sidewalk? Oh, sorry. No, there's only one spot where we got to put a, a, a storm sewer down at Lathrop Village has to go underneath the sidewalk to connect into the existing drainage structure. Thank you, Ms. Lay. Um, Next, we have Dennis, and I'm sorry if I messed this up, Nortmo. Um, uh, just a uh, follow-up question. Um, I've noticed that there are culverts going under the street connecting the south and north sides now. Uh, my understanding is that all the water on the block uh, ends up going through the drainage ditch alongside our property at uh, Lathrop and uh, Cambridge through the drainage structure at the corner of our property. Um, so is, is that the case or is the water on the north side uh, designed now to go somewhere else besides there? No, it, it's Dennis. It's probably designed to go there. I think there's. I think we found one culvert that goes from the north side to the south side, uh, and, and if I recall, that thing was pretty much buried, so it wasn't accepting all too much water. But I, I think the intent was to, for the ditches to drain from the north side to the south side, and then along your property to the southwest corner of Lathrop Boulevard. Uh, where there's where's there a couple of drainage structure there okay um would not uh there be an advantage it sounds like although you talk about a perforated system basically it's a closed system without open points for example along my property our property um uh, there's a short ditch uh open culvert flowing into it and then it goes under uh into another culvert under uh a large tree, probably the largest tree on the street, uh, and under our driveway, then to another open ditch, and then to another culvert. And uh, I've seen animals going in and out of these culverts. Um, and there, I had to fetch a dead possum out of the ditch once. Um, there's all kinds of opportunities for clogging those culverts now. Uh, would that wouldn't that be eliminated? That that clogging from external inputs will be eliminated when you put everything under uh, in this one uh, under drain. Yes, it'd be an enclosed drainage system. Mm -hmm. Thank, you. Thank you. Are there any more hands for the public hearing? I know there's another, I see that there's two, but oh, Nick Payne. Yes. Hi. Am I unmuted? Yes, sir. Okay. So uh, I guess my question is, I sent in some questions earlier before PM. Are we going to address those questions or do I need to ask them at this time? Go ahead and ask the question. 
Um, okay. Yeah. So, so one, I, I wasn't clear. The 10 years, we choose the installment plan at the end of the period of time and I sell the house, I have to pay the whole remainder at that time? Yes. Okay. And then is there the opportunity since the construction firm will be here to solicit additional work on my own property of the firm? Uh, yes, you can also solicit that work with the contractor. Okay. But and, and Nick, just just to, to follow up on that, uh, that is a private deal. That's not part of the city's uh, project, nor would it be part of the special assessment. Understood. And uh, last question, what determines uh, the, the assessment per property? Is it just the number of properties on the block or the linear feet of each property exposed to this system? So um, there, are, there are multiple ways that, that we, we could have done it. Um, the, the, I guess legally it just has to be consistent. Um, and the way that we uh, approached it was to divide the entire cost by the number of, of, of parcels. Okay, and th this will not impact the commercial developments at the end of the block on Southfield? Uh, I don't believe so, uh, because the, the project stops before you get to the, the commercial properties. Okay, but there are I have the plan here. There's three major drains at those properties on Lathrop or on Cambridge Boulevard. Scott? Yeah, there, there's some drainage structures there. That drainage uh, picks up and goes over into the uh, into the Southfield Road drainage system. So we did not incorporate anything from Southfield Road to the alley into the SAD. Thank you, Mr. Payne. Is there any, he already, he wants to talk about something else. Um, I don't see anyone. Mr. Normore oh, has sorry. his hand up. Um, I don't know if that's the same question unless that's another question that he has, you can bring him off of mute. To, uh, a follow-up to Mr. Payne's question about soliciting a contractor for additional work. Um, as you know, there's very limited parking on Cambridge. And uh, I think a year ago, I, I uh, had a brief discussion with Scott about the possibility as the, if the ditch is filled in, which you plan on doing, um, we have the very deep ditch along our property. It's the deepest on the street because we're at the end of the system. Um, could, would it be uh, acceptable to uh, discuss with the contractor the possibility of um, uh, 
of uh, doing um, uh, the work uh, over the ditch in such a way that it is parkable. For example, using the geocell drainage system um, over the under drain. probably a question for you, Scott. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, that... I mean, it can be done, uh, you know, that that green belt's only 10 foot wide, so it's not very wide. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that geocell system is a very expensive system, uh, but it, it can be done. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a permeable, uh, we call it permeable pavers, because, you know, it will permeate through there. But again, it's a very expensive system. And, and just, just to be clear, that would be an expense that would be above and beyond what the city would pay. So if, if we did agree to do that, um, the incremental difference would have to be covered by you and not the city. Yes, I understand that. I, I, um, I'm not interested in a very expensive system, but you're, I, I would like to <laughs> like a little more information at some point on what very, how very expensive is defined. If it's $500 a foot or $10 a foot, I, you know, I don't, that would make a difference whether I even bring it up with a contractor. Yeah, yeah, that's something we could entertain, but you know, it'd be more in the future. But once, once this moves down the road a little bit, fun not intended. Thank you. Do we have anyone else in the chat I answered the question already in the Q&A is there any other uh, comments questions for the public hearing for Cambridge are there any more questions or comments okay well I will be closing the public hearing then Now we're gonna to move to the public comments for the items on the agenda. So these are items that would be um, under action requests. And this is where you would be able to make your comments about uh, cannabis. We're going to start with people that are in person first, and then we're going to go to Zoom question and answer section, not the chat, but through the Q&A. And then we'll go to the public comments that, we, that were submitted and that will be read into record. Did I get them all? And then prior to opening up the public comment, if I, if I could just yeah. kind of give a, a little bit of introduction because I believe most people are here this evening to discuss the cannabis issue. And I did want to give a little bit of background of how we got here and what, what this means uh, should this move forward. So the marijuana has been in Michigan, has been legal in Michigan since 2008 uh, with a medical marijuana uh, ballot initiative that passed. Under that initiative, communities were by default opted out of the medical marijuana business unless they elected to opt in. In November of 2018, there was a ballot initiative proposal one that decriminalized and allowed for recreational cannabis in the state of Michigan. That language was uh, different than the medical language because by default, communities were opted in 
unless they did something in the affirmative to opt out. The state gave, uh, uh, the proposal gave the state approximately one year to get uh, rules and uh, promulgated and a procedure in place before they began accepting applications. Upon passage of that, the City of Lathrop Village did enact an ordinance opting out, but included in that ordinance a sunset provision so that the city could come back and revisit. At that time, it was 18 months. Uh, the thought process behind that was that uh, the city did not want to be the first one to open up a cannabis facility, and they were going to let some of the other communities uh, take that first step and see what happened. Um, when that 18 months expired, there unfortunately had not been a whole lot of uh, cannabis facilities that had been opened because there were some delays with, at the state level in terms of accepting applications and issuing licenses. So the decision was made last July to extend that sunset provision for an additional 12 months. At the same time, uh, City Council began exploring the possibility should, should upon expiration of that sunset, should they wish to authorize or allow for uh, various facilities within the community. They did They did direct myself and the planner to begin drafting uh, ordinances and, and zoning ordinances that would uh, set up the framework for those types of businesses. And so that's precisely what you have in front of you this evening. There's, there are two ordinances. Uh, the first one is the uh, general ordinance, which is the chapter 18 ordinance. Uh, that sets forth the framework identifying the number of licenses, the type of facilities. Uh, currently there are, uh, in this ordinance, it's identifying two physical locations for dispensaries, uh, either medical or recreational. It does allow for co-located facilities, meaning uh, one physical location with both cannabis, I just got louder, uh, <laughs> with cannabis as well as um, I'm sorry, with recreational cannabis as well as medical cannabis combined in one physical location. Uh, that, again, I can't emphasize, it's limiting to two physical locations. The, the city does not envision any more than two potential uh, provisioning centers. Uh, the city does also is also contemplating allowing two testing facilities within, within the city. Uh, one of the big things in this ordinance that is that by enacting this ordinance, it's setting the framework in place, but not necessarily opening the doors to start accepting applications. This ordinance does specify that the city will, by separate resolution, uh, should this ordinance be passed, by separate resolution, the city could establish a time period, which is 30 days, uh, which would be a time period of 30 days established by resolution of when the city would begin accepting applications. The city would also, by separate resolution, be identifying and accepting the, the scoring matrix, which will be utilized to determine whether or not uh, which which applicants. Uh, it's on this lapel. That's right here. Sorry. So separate. I can turn my mic on if you want to bring it up. Are you talking to it? Yeah. Okay. We can hear you, Scott. So we can hear you, Scott. Scott, we can hear you. Scott, we can hear you. Okay. You don't need to. That's good. Uh, so that scoring matrix would be a separate resolution, and that's how these uh, applicants are going to be scored and prioritized as to who has the the highest score, and the highest scoring applicants would would be the ones that would move forward for potential licensure in the city. 
the zoning ordinance is, is separate, but that's also up this evening. And, and that deals primarily with the uh, site regulations and the on-site specifications that comparable to what any other business in the city would be required to do uh, and, and the standards that they would be able, they would be required to meet in order to open one of these types of facilities. The zoning ordinance also identifies the areas in the, in the community where these businesses would, would be allowed to operate based on setbacks from uh, facilities such as parks, schools, um, adult shelters. Um, yeah, I think that's parks, schools, and shelters. That's the big one. So um, with that, like I said, I just wanted to clarify that, that um, should, this, should these ordinances pass this evening, that does not necessarily mean that uh, cannabis businesses will be opening up tomorrow or lining up at City Hall to file their applications. There would be additional steps required of City Council before that before that would be the case. And that would be where City Council has to approve having um, marijuana in the city period, correct? Correct. They would have to, in addition to approving the resolution, opening up the application period and approving the resolution, identifying the scoring criteria, they would also have the final say once uh, all the scoring was done, the rankings were made and presented to council. It's very similar to our, our package light, our package alcohol and uh, on-site alcohol licenses. The city would have the final say as to which they, if they wish to grant that license. Thank you. So now we'll go um, into the public comments. Um, each person is limited to three minutes only. After your three minutes, your mic will be muted, or um, if you're in person, then just be asked to stop. So who do we have first? Have you come in and you would state your full name, your address if you want to, but at least your full name. My name is Mary Manukian, 18194 Redwood Avenue, Lathrop Village. Um, I just have some comments to make. Um, a few years ago, we all had a packed town hall where the majority of the people discussing cannabis were against it. So I don't understand how we got to this place. Um, you keep saying, you know, you're not planning on it and you have to do this and accept licenses, but yet I'm hearing they're trying to get into the Skyway building and relocate the Russian dance ballet. They're trying to buy Dr. Geller's office. Uh, both are one street away from me. Okay, and this is a good source. Okay, I'm not just blowing it off the top of my head. Um, Southfield Road has already got horrendous traffic. If we have these dispensaries on Southfield Road, we're not only gonna have way more traffic, we're gonna have people cutting down the side streets to try and get to 12 mile, because both of them are at Wiltshire. Um, and so now you're going to have increased traffic cutting through the neighborhood, increased wear and tear on the roads that all of us are now paying almost four mills to repair. And um, I just feel like I would ask City Council to try and think about what the residents want, try and um, let us have a voice in this. This is a city is tiny. It's going to affect all of our way of lives. It's, it's, it's some, on a daily basis. I mean, it's, some, it's something we should all have a voice on. So I'm asking that you would put it on the ballot in November and let us all vote on it. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm yay or nay against marijuana. You can get, you know, 
cream, medicinal cream, anywhere you want. There's home delivery available for the other stuff. I don't understand why we have to have it in this little tiny city. Um, my neighbor was on a committee. Unfortunately, he was the only person against putting cannabis dispensaries in the city, Don. Um, so now we have people voting on it that were on the cannabis committee that were all pro-marijuana, so I don't understand how we're going to get a fair vote out of it when people on the committee were pro-marijuana and now they're going to vote on it. So I guess we can guess which way they're going to vote. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Bo Tamarelli. I live at 1845 to Dolores, and I think most of you received the letter I'm going to read. I was part of a neighborhood group that collected 440 residents' petition signatures. The petition was submitted to the Lathrop Village City Clerk for your review and consideration. The petition asked you not to approve any changes to zoning ordinances that would allow cannabis businesses in Lather Village or put it to a vote. We, the residents, want to convey that we do not want cannabis businesses in Lather Village. We haven't understood why Lather Village Council has worked so hard to allow two recreational, two medicinal, and two other cannabis facilities to operate by a proposed ordinance changes. We have come to understand that the charter language may need to be, charter language may need, I'm sorry. We have come to understand that charter language may be needed to supersede ordinance language to prevent cannabis businesses within Lathrop. As stated in our petition, we ask you to make the proposed charter changes to not allow cannabis businesses to operate in Lathrop now and in the future. We also know that an outside entity, outside entity, not residents of Lathrop Village, submitted a fraudulent pro-cannabis business referendum petition to council. That now rejected petition highlights the importance of listening to the voices of the people who signed our grassroots neighbor-driven petition. The majority of people in Lathrop Village do not want cannabis businesses located here. I personally spoke to probably 150 or 180 people and easily 85% of those people agreed and signed our petition. In summary, we have interpreted your actions as saying yes to cannabis businesses in Lathrop Village. Our petition effort was assembled quickly without outside money interests or paid civil law attorneys because we see our council moving quickly to make ordinance changes to allow cannabis here. If this ordinance language today is deemed needed as a temporary measure to protect us from outside interests wanting to sell cannabis here, you must commit to us and the, at least 30 people that are downstairs and the 440 people that signed the petition commit to us and our fellow citizens that you will follow this language that you approve later today 
with permanent ordinances and charter language making all cannabis business illegal in Lathrop Village. Thank you. And Sorry. we, the citizens of Lathrop Village, will then vote to approve those charter changes. Thank, Thank you. you. <coughs> Good evening. My name is Martha Mack. I live at 18200 Glenwood Avenue, the second house behind the post office. So I want to tell you my concern, uh, which is going to lead into my next my next uh, topic that I would like to discuss is the lack of police handling situations on a Friday evening. And I am very concerned being two houses off of the alleyways that we're going to have issues here. I don't care if anybody wants to do it. I don't care. That's none of my business. I don't want it near my house and I don't want the trap. That's all I have to say about that. Say your name and then Hi, I am Kathleen Graham. I'm from uh, 634 West Nine Mile Road in Hazel Park. I am a certified hospice and palliative care registered nurse and the clinical director for Hyatt Cannabis. I've uh, cared for patients as a nurse for the past 20 years throughout the state of Michigan. I was a hospice case manager in 2008 when our laws changed allowing medical cannabis and after 12 years left hospice as a regional manager to come to Hyatt. From my personal experience, I have seen medical cannabis accomplish many things, including control nausea, stimulate appetite, ease muscle spasms, decrease pain, and improve ability to sleep. While it is not perfect, these new cannabis business laws are a big step forward. These laws will ensure a system where all cannabis medicine is tracked from seed to sale that will allow for recalls if problems are detected secure transportation. All cannabis products will be tested. They will have accurate, useful labels with independently verified information, which is needed to help guide both medical teams and patients in making informed choices. All of this helps to minimize the chance any would end up in the street, and at the same time, ensuring a more pure and consistent product for the patients. Products we carry at Hyatt have helped people improve in functionality, decrease or stop opioids, and have improved quality of life. Hyatt carries a wide selection of products that focus on medical to meet the needs of the patients. Meeting the needs of the patients like Madison. When I started working with Madison, her functionality was minimal. She was in a wheelchair and not able to enjoy traditional childhood activities. She has sickle cell disease. Her red blood cells are irregular and die early, causing obstruction and cutting off circulation. In addition, there are not enough red blood cells to carry oxygen she needs. Lab values like a high reticulite count in sickle cell disease indicate sickle cell crisis. A crisis is extremely painful and life-threatening. In March, Madison's reticulite count was over nine. In June, after being on CBD and cannabis for three months, her reticulite counts have decreased to a little over two. Excessive iron can damage the gastrointestinal system, causing nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach pain, and weight loss. 
and cause fatal damage to the liver, pancreas, heart, or brain. Within 60 days of starting CBD and cannabis, her ferritin, which is restored iron levels, dropped from 1,708 to 867. The wellness plan that we developed for Madison has improved her quality of life, increased her activity and mobility. These indicators of improved quality of life can be seen in her functionality and her lab values, not to mention her smiles and laughter. I believe allowing licensed cannabis businesses in the community will mean thousands of local residents with serious disease will finally be able to acquire the quality medical cannabis their, their doctor and care team recommends. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Interesting you should say that. My son is in the hospital right now with sickle cell um, crisis. So I understand, but we'll talk about it more during our public comment. Thank you. Hi, my name is Richard Bell. I live at 27551 Rackham, Village. Um, I looked over all of the information and I had a couple of questions. Number one, do in location of this, it sounds like it's going to happen. When a, a facility is located, do the people adjacent to that facility have the ability to nix that location? So I will um, just uh, reiterate that during the public comment is not going to be the, uh, the well, dialogue. Well, let think about that. Okay, but we'll write answer, it down. Don't answer the question. Oh, okay. Just realize that if you have a business right next to where it would be located, do you have any rights to uh, say no to that? And number two, and as importantly, uh, what businesses are we excluding once a location has been located, it now means for a thousand feet, certain businesses cannot be included. Have you a list of the type of business, not just a school or whatever? I think that should be considered by the council before they make a decision. Thanks. <laughs> Is there someone else in the hallway? Okay. Oh, we're going to clip the hallway up clear, please. Okay, no problem. Who's next? Um, I'm going to let everyone else that goes okay. first, if that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. But if you have something to say, you have something to say, you didn't say anything. You haven't spoken yet, right? No, uh, no, but it's okay. You guys go ahead. You sure? I'm positive. Okay. Then we'll do repeats after we get the first people no, to come no, through. No, repeats. No, I'm, okay. Can you already speak? Hello. Hello. My name is Lisa Kurzinski, and I'm a resident and disability commissioner for the city of Westland. Westland has recently approved cannabis dispensaries, which I believe will truly benefit our residents, including our disabled residents, because cannabis is known to help chronic pain, including migraines, and also helps with epilepsy, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, cancer ailments, 
PTSD, depression, anxiety, and insomnia, to name a few. My personal experience with medical cannabis started for me in California in 2010, where I am born and raised. FDA medications had failed me with my pain from chronic migraines, so it was time for me to look for another alternative way for my pain relief. I grew up during the era of Just Say No, which included cannabis use. I was brainwashed into thinking cannabis would be harmful to me and lead to it as a gateway drug. This could be farther from the truth. After doing my own research, I decided to try medical cannabis to help control my pain with chronic migraines. Cannabis has helped me tremendously with no bad side effects or concern for addiction. I urge you to do your own research if you have any doubts and just keep an open mind. There are many ways to use cannabis besides just smoking it. This includes vaping, topical ointments applied to the skin, transdermal skin patches, edibles, capsule forms, and then they also have CBD products as well for human and pet consumption. Any city willing to consider adoption of cannabis dispensaries would greatly benefit from a cannabis RN to assist their medical patients to choose the proper cannabis strain and ways to use cannabis properly. I recently visited the Hyatt and Hazel Park and I was impressed by their professional staff in Cannabis RN. I thought that having a Cannabis RN on staff was such an innovative idea, one that other cities should adopt. Also consider that the revenue from cannabis sales can help be reinvested within your community. I hope tonight that my personal testimony about medical cannabis will persuade you to consider adopting a cannabis zoning ordinance for your city. I promise you won't regret it. As always, I do advocate for responsible use of cannabis, just like with alcohol. And um, I personally do not use alcohol, but I feel that I would not ever want to take someone else's freedom to use alcohol away from them. And the reverse is true for cannabis. Thank you for your time and listening to me tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to speak. My name is uh, Bill Cousins. I am a considered a subject matter expert in the area of cannabis and cannabis facilities and security. Um, I have clients in five states. I represent uh, the majority of the large institutions, cannabis institutions. There's two points I'd like to make at this meeting. First of all, uh, as a professional, and I'm a retired Secret Service agent, as a professional, I can tell you properly introduced and enforced, and I've had a chance to take a brief review of your ordinances. Cannabis facilities are perfectly safe. They actually add to the security of the neighborhood with the security technology that they add and so forth that's required. Good, responsible cannabis businesses go far and beyond the state and local requirements. Now, my client, Hayat, who I'm here with today, I've done several projects with them. They have always gone above and beyond what was required. They have made the neighborhoods safer. They have become good community, uh, corporate citizens, the community. So I'm here in support of that and to try and put rest some fears of the residents that this is a positive thing your ordinance is very well written. You've done a nice job with that. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
Next, please. Is there someone else in the? Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Hello, my name is Craig Aronoff. I'm a, an attorney uh, that specializes in cannabis. My office address is 1212 South Washington in Royal Oak, Michigan. I represent Hyatt Cannabis and have been had the pleasure of uh, being before you many, many moons ago when you first started discussing it and had the pleasure of discussing uh, what kind of options that we've seen around the state and the period of time that you've taken to study it. And I want to give credit to the city. You've really gone to great lengths to interview people within the industry, look at people in other cities, talk to your peers in other cities, whether they're council members or police officers in those cities that have already embraced cannabis throughout Michigan. And for your benefit of your citizens, uh, you need they need to understand the, the effort that went into the backing of this ordinance and the effort to talk to those other communities and really learn about the value of this type of ordinance in your community. Um, Marijuana is already here. It's already legal in the state of Michigan. As you've already indicated, your community voted 60% in favor of it. And it's gonna be around you whether or not it's in your city or not. Um, the key is putting an ordinance together that allows you to control it. And at the same time, benefit from the economic benefits that it has. There'll be investment in at least two buildings, maybe up to four, if the safety compliance come in. Um, there'll be, uh, as Mr. Cousins just discussed, uh, you know, the security at these facilities actually provides a, a, basically a bubble around them. There's cameras that are facing out that have to provide clear pixelation for anybody nearing and walking near the buildings. Um, another point to make too is throughout the state of Michigan, no community that has embraced it has really pulled back on it. They've actually expanded their programs, um, talking with chiefs of police and other communities. They don't find that the fear or the concern of that reefer madness and all this, you know, the zombie apocalypse type of thinking has not actually occurred. A lot of the communities that have embraced it have had a very positive benefit. I was uh, at visiting a client in the EP recently and the restaurants next to the store are all thriving because people are going and visiting the other, you know, businesses that are in those communities. We're seeing that in the UP, we're seeing that, you know, from the Ohio border, Hazel Park, where Hyatt has its uh, corporate headquarters. They too have embraced it. They've actually expanded their program two times over and continue to offer, you know, licenses to new companies seconds. and individuals. Um, so we're really pleased that you're considering it. We want to offer ourselves as experts to continue the dialogue. If you were have any other questions, we'd invite you to reach out from an insider slash cannabis perspective and having touched a lot of communities and talked to that have both embraced it and some that have passed on it, but are still reconsidering their, their decisions and we're just having open dialogue. So again, thank you for your consideration and hopefully we'll be uh, able to be applying for applications soon. Thank okay. you. Good evening. Good evening. Martin Sema, High Cannabis, 634 West Nine Mile, Hazel Park. Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you guys on the great ordinance that you guys put together and all the hard work and the hours that was involved in it. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about my company and what we've done in Hazel Park since 2017. 
uh, we've taken um, buildings, rundown buildings, and, and projects that have cost us millions of dollars to renovate and operate. Our last project was 15 months ago, which we took a, a, a end of the park bar, which was the city's eyesore and a project that we invested about 1.7 million in. <clears throat> um, we we have been involved extremely with the city since operations. Um, we spent thousands of dollars giving back to the city in donations, sponsorships, um, uh, a promise zone, which is an ed educational program that helps keep kids, kids in college. Um, we've um, created over 130 jobs in the past seven months. Uh, minimum wages starting from $17 an hour, all the way salaries to up to $150,000. That's what cannabis brings to your community. Um, we've changed lives, many lives. Um, we've offered free, cons free consultations to patients, seniors, um, free deliveries to medical patients and seniors, um, um, discounts on medical products, free products for, for a few patients that couldn't afford and needed the product. So this is what cannabis, this, this is what good applicants should and will bring to your city. This is what we hope to bring to your city. Um, I love this city. I was, uh, both my wife and I graduated from Lathrop. My wife has been working the city for 27 years. Um, I look to bring above and beyond to the city of Lathrop. Thank you. Thank you. citizen and let me just bring up my notes here um, technology issue um, I just want to say that that uh, there's been quite a lot of talk about uh, people who are against medical marijuana or just recreational marijuana and um, many of them have never visited one of these uh, establishments um, and uh, make a, a large point of saying that, that they haven't done this. I have been to one of these establishments, uh, a couple of them, and I just want to say that they're very attractive businesses. Um, they resemble a, a cosmetics counter at Macy's. Um, they're very clean. Um, they're much cleaner than some of the businesses that I see in Lathrop Village along Southfield. And um, I just think that we would benefit a lot from having one of these businesses uh, in, in Lathrop Village. And um, as, no, as was noted before, um, one of the residents said, uh, I would not want to take away someone's right to uh, uh, purchase what is legal in Michigan, um, just like for alcohol. And some of, like, I, I wouldn't purchase grain alcohol, uh, but that is legal to go to uh, the liquor store here and do so. Um, anyway, that's, that's basically, um, I think, all I want to say. Um, it's just that it's an attractive business. We should consider it. And 
I'll leave it at that. Thank, Thank you. Good. Thank you for the opportunity to speak for a couple of moments uh, on behalf of uh, Hyatt Cannabis. Um, I am a patient uh, of uh, Hyatt Cannabis and their medical cannabis, but particularly am grateful for Dr. Kathleen Graham and her guidance um, with regard to cannabis because of the growing aches and pains and muscle spasms that are coming with, to some extent, age and diabetes. Um, I also, uh, at the time uh, when I broke my shoulder in 2019, uh, used medical cannabis. And the reason I bring that up uh, is because of the tremendous distinctions that I learned about between the other cannabis shop uh, that I had used when I broke my shoulder uh, and Hayet. And as an aside to let you know, uh, in addition to my personal experience with Hayet as a patient and with uh, Kathleen Graham, I also work with the city of Hazel Park occasionally on communications. And in the time that I've been doing so, I have been struck by the remarkable presence and transformation of the property at 634 uh, West Nine Mile Road, which is where Hyatt Cannabis is located. They took uh, one or two buildings, transformed them, immediately elevated the property values along that stretch of Nine Mile Road and have become a good corporate citizen in giving back to the community, uh, working with the city and alleviating any difficulties with traffic and parking because of the layout of the facility. And with regard to the facility itself, I was, I was stunned at frankly the beauty and the well-organized and secure uh, aspects of the uh, dispensary itself. Uh, and uh, it really uh, made a, a remarkable impact on me, A, because of what one may think of in general of cannabis dispensaries, and B, particularly compared with the one I went to when I broke my shoulder in 2019. Um, I can't speak highly enough of them as a patient, and what I've learned, um, working with and, you know, floating in and out of uh, Hazel Park. And uh, I urge your consideration. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Loretta Danforth. I live at 27922 California Drive Northeast. I am pro marijuana in every aspect. My husband used it as he was going through chemotherapy with cancer. I use it to sleep. He uses edibles, but 
The fact of the matter is, I don't understand the rush to installation, not the rush to judgment, but the rush to install two facilities that will dispense marijuana and the two facilities to test it. I don't understand your rush to do that. You have a body of people, your community is telling you, some people are saying they don't want it, some people say they want it. The bottom line, the people are asking you to please let the community decide, not you, let the community put it to a vote. I do not understand your rush to install these facilities in such a small family-oriented community. You say the revenue is what you're interested in. I'm a professional, I'm a retired professional. My research has shown me that this panacea of money that you're expecting to come in, that's not what happens. So please let the community decide for itself by putting it to a vote. We don't need a rush to install these facilities when people are telling you, wait, let us look at it, let us vote on it. I implore you to listen to the people who live here. You've had all these beautiful, well-dressed professionals come in who don't live in Lathrop talking about the merits of marijuana. That's wonderful. Marijuana is a wonderful thing. It's helped plenty of people. Your community is telling you, please let us decide. Let us put it to a vote. Do not rush. I've been here 32 years, okay? And I'm asking you, I love this community. Let us decide, please. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Elsie Babcock, uh, 27661 Lathrop Boulevard. I have also lived here for many years, 30, as a matter of fact, and I agree with everything that Loretta said and everyone else who talked about uh, cannabis. We know medicinal um, benefits. All of us are intelligent. I work at Wayne State, uh, but I said this at other meetings. Number one, the saturation of these facilities. And you don't have to speak to that because I've done research. Okay. Also, within this small 10 and a half mile to 12 mile, okay. I don't know. I looked at your map. Um, there are some charters on 12 mile. I'm not certain it's a thousand feet distance to that chart. Okay. I have no nothing against medicinal marijuana. I'm just worried about our community and the number of facilities that we have uh, close by. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Jeannie Barron. I live at 27270 West Golden Gate. 
Uh, and I am an attorney. I am practicing in Lather Village. I'm also a resident of Lather Village for about 28 years. You may have seen my husband is disabled. I walk all the time. Um, it has always been my dream to run my business because I'm a partner and I'm looking for a site to run my business in the home and the community that I love. And that that's obviously Lather Village. But at, if we are to put any kind of marijuana dispensaries, particularly two in such a short area, Lather Village now doesn't become an option for me. Then I will look at some of the other areas. I'll look at Royal Oak. I'll look at Southfield. Yes, they have cannabis there, I understand that, but I won't have to have it in concentrated in such a small area. Um, I have. I was part of the petition drive and I loved it because I got a chance to meet the wonderful residents that we have here in Lake the Village, incredible residents. And I will tell you that of all of the people that I talked to, only one person would not sign the petition. At worst, people said, we want to have a vote. If maybe I'm going to support it, maybe I'm not, but we want to have a vote. As an attorney, I am offering you pro bono my services to, drive, to help draft any kind of a charter amendment. I would work with Scott. I will do whatever it takes in order to make sure that we have something that the residents can vote on. Um, I think it's important that we listen to all of the residents. We've had a lot of talk from people who are non-residents. Listen to the residents. It's time that we give them the right to vote. Whatever it takes, again, I'm happy to do it. And I thank you for your attention and your patience. Thank you. My name is Martin Hardy, 2765, Fort Lager, Boulevard. I've heard a lot. And, and I agree, it's a big issue. But bigger than that is the people. People speak, people vote, people make a difference. And right now, we're trying to make a difference. For Lathrop Village, Lathrop Village has history, heritage, and has standards. I heard medical marijuana, that cannabis. I didn't hear recreation. Marijuana. Mine, Celine's, and Byron, my neighbor across the street, our mailbox, a few weeks back, was knocked over. Driver came flying through, Lake Boulevard. Just the other day, I stepped out on the front porch, car drive right past the stop sign, flying through Lake Boulevard. 50 miles close. Lake Boulevard is a small street. In this area, I agree with the attorney. We have a number of places we can get this stuff. I understand that we want revenue, but Lake Boulevard, Lake Village, rather, has heritage. The question is, what is the future going to look like when we start establishing these facilities and we're not sending a clear message on where we stand? So, I'm against it. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hi, my name is Jared Kirchner. Um, I'm going to be a little bit blunt with people tonight, uh, no pun intended. Um, I am for cannabis in pretty much every respect, both in hemp and marijuana. Um, you know, I've already sadly made a few enemies just for voicing my opinion downstairs. I was booed and uh, told to leave and told to keep my opinion to myself. And that actually makes me a little bit sad for the community. And the truth is, I could care less if I have a dispensary that I could access uh, in this community. Um, I work at LiveWell Enlightened Health. It's a cannabis industry. Uh, I've got my hands in marijuana all day. In fact, I probably smell like pot right now. Um, if you've walked by my house in the evening, often you've probably seen me smoking out on my porch. Um, but the reason I say I don't care so much whether or not we have a dispensary here is because I can go anywhere else and get it. The problem is, is the stigma I see around marijuana in this community. I think of this community as a progressive community, as a people who cares about it, who, as a community of people who care about each other, um, who support each other, you know, in many different ways. Um, I've seen a lot of people around the community who use marijuana medicinally and recreationally, myself included in both ways. Um, and I just want to ask you, you, you know, if you're against a marijuana facility in your community, but you say you support marijuana, is that really the truth? Because if you support something, but you don't want it in your community, clearly you have some type of issue with it. And if you have an issue with marijuana like that, why don't you have it with liquor? We have a liquor store down the corner that has enough liquor in it to kill probably hundreds or thousands, maybe thousands of people. It's poison. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with the liquor industry. What's wrong is the stigma that people are seeming to elicit against marijuana. And I think that's very sad. Um, you know, like many people have mentioned here, it's a medicine, but it's also recreational. Thousands of people, tens of thousands, die every year to alcohol poisoning. You know how many people die in the history of mankind, in mankind of marijuana from overdose? Zero. You cannot overdose on it. Yes, it changes your state of mind, and that can be a danger, but I ask you, please see if you're subscribing to a stigma, because I think you are if you're against it. And that's, that's how I feel. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. I'm Caitlin Danforth, as you probably already know. I live at 18750 Glenwood Boulevard. I've been a Lathrop Village resident for 27 years, so obviously the majority of my life. I'm also a registered nurse. I was an ICU nurse at Beaumont. I was a nurse at Carmona's Cancer Institute. And I was a night on-call nurse for a hospice agency. I was solely responsible for over 60 hospice patients from 5 p.m to 8.30 a.m. Monday through Friday. Many of the patients I've encountered at these settings use cannabis and it was very helpful to them. I have beloved personal contacts with PTSD from extensive military service and multiple tours overseas. As my mom Loretta stated, my dad is a cancer survivor and they use cannabis products and it's very helpful to them. I have suffered with excruciating migraines since childhood. I have anxiety and occasional insomnia. I've turned to cannabis products when occasionally when my prescriptions failed me, which I purchased at a dispensary. 
I've used cannabis products and it was very helpful to me. I have tons of friends who use it recreationally. I'm pro-marijuana. I'm anti-dispensary in Lathrop. This conversation is not about whether I've been to a dispensary or how I feel about marijuana. It's about only whether I feel this is the right business for the community that I love dearly, and I don't feel that it is. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to see you here downstairs <laughs> watching. And do I just get yep. started? Okay, I'm Nancy Griffin. I live at 19350 Rainbow Drive. I've lived in Lathrop Village, two houses for 36 years. And I had no intention of speaking, so I'm just going off the cuff. But I was downstairs and I was listening to all these people who don't live in Lathrop talking about how great having cannabis pet stores, whatever, uh, will be in Lathrop. And I'm a person that loves this city. Lo I mean, it's my heart. I love it. We could live anywhere and we choose to live here. Um, and I just, as long as I've lived here, we've talked about the Southfield corridor, making it more beautiful, more family friendly. I just don't see dispensaries being there. So why I'm here, why I came up those stairs is to just say, please listen to the citizens. I actually went out with the petitions, met some neighbors, 36 years, I met a whole bunch of neighbors I've never met before. Wonderful, wonderful people, all ages, all kinds of people. And I was really surprised how all of them, regardless of their feelings about marijuana, did not want dispensaries in Lathrop. And I, I go back to the meeting a couple of years ago, I was here with the big crowd and I felt like it was the same back then. And so I'm appealing to your hearts and to just really, you're Lathrop citizens. Um, I think most of you, I don't know that all. Um, and just really put this before the people and really listen to the people because I think they, they really care about this issue and care about what's in our neighborhoods. So thank you so much. Thank you. There's someone else. Hi, it's me again. Before you go, is there, because we had 30 people that so was. So I waited downstairs uh, and she does not want to speak. I told her she needs to speak and she does not want to. But is there anyone, the only reason I'm asking is because we had, I know when I was down, there was 30 people that had signed up to speak and I just want to make sure everyone has a first time well, to go. I'm just asking. I'm going to assume, I don't know. I'm not running. I understand there's right three now. more people in the audience who are signed up to speak. All right. Okay. You're up. Thank you. Okay. Hi again. I'm Martha Mack and I live at 18200 Glenwood Boulevard. Um, I want to tell uh, a situation what happened on a Friday night in May. Behind the chiropractic office, there was a party. The party started out with two cars. Now my husband and my son, who's 23, who's finishing up Michigan State, we were all outside having a beer. We heard the loud bass. We know the cars that are back there. I just went, I'm good. My husband went, he's good. And my son said, no, this is not right. We called the police. The police came out, Officer Lask, 
then asked us, are you sure that they don't own the business or they have a permit for this party? And I said, well, I'm, according to remembering back, I didn't think that they allowed alleyway parties. And he said, it's not an alleyway. And I went, well, I don't think you've lived in Lake Drop long enough to know that because we all know what a parking lot and an alleyway is. Anyways, they went over and told them to turn down the music. Um, they said that they were having a party because of COVID and the grandmother was afraid of COVID. Um, I found out from my other neighbor who did not want to get involved that the kid's mother said, I don't want the kids over. He went over, told them to turn down the music. When he told me, do they have a permit or do they own that business? I said, am I seriously hearing this from you? And he would not back down. We left, came home at 1030 and there were 12 cars. They were grilling on the back of Odell's chiropractic back door with flames. They had dragged over their Costco table, set it up. They were having a huge party. We called again at 1030. The other officer came over and said, I think you're making more noise than they are. And I said, would you like someone to be on your property when you're gone? They went over, eventually they dispersed. They were not loud, that's not my point. But they had a grill, they dumped out the grill. I know this because we walk our dog. They dumped out the grill and they used their garbage bin to throw out their garbage. So I called Bruce. Bruce tells me this. I emailed all of you. Bruce was the only one who was in touch with me. Um, never heard back from anyone. And this does have my other point is you were extremely sympathetic about the alleyway. Um, but now I find out that you want to rezone some alleyway and I'm wondering if we can do that because this goes on all the time in the alley. So, I mean, you're, you're at your time, but I'm, I would like to talk to you later because I'm totally confused on what happened. And um, also um, to know where you sent the email because I respond to every single email. So concerned about that. Um, so can you hang back? I can. Okay. Thank you. Is there anybody else in the hallway? No. Okay, so we're going to the Q and A first, right? Is that what we said? Yes. Okay. First person up for the Q and A was Kenneth Bryant. In the audience. He has a type comment. Oh, he's typing it? Well, there's a type question. Um, yeah, unless he just wants us to read the 
see what the question. You know, I'm not to talk or you can read it. It's up to you. I can't read. You would you like me to read? Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Excellent. Yes, my name is Kenneth Bryant, um, South Lake alumni, 2001. Just wanted to comment about um, just reminding people that Lathrop had one of the highest approval ratings in the state of Michigan. Um, there's a lot of fear of the unknown. Where people are thinking the worst is going to happen. And most times once a cannabis company opens up in that town, the citizens see that there's nothing near what they thought the fears was gonna be like. Um, so of course I'm in support, but I had a question just about the ballot initiative versus the ordinance. Um, I just heard comments before where, where Latham was kind of considering saying, well, if we adopt the cannabis ordinance and allow cannabis businesses in, can we as a city decide not to issue any of these licenses? And so I understand that that's a, a route that the city can take. My question is, as a cannabis business wanting to come back to Lathrop, um, is that the intention of Lathrop to just kind of pass the cannabis ordinance in order to block any ballot initiatives? Because I understand that with the ballot initiative, it takes the the power away from the city council to kind of coordinate and, and orchestrate this thing. It gives it all to the ballot language. So that was pretty much my question. I'm not sure if it can be answered during this time, but that was my comment. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and after that, Laney Dixon. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Lonnie Dixon, 18619 Middlesex Avenue, of course, Lathrop Village. I appreciate the opportunity to speak tonight. I'll be very brief. So I've heard the terms heritage and community uh, mentioned here about Lathrop Village. But what I am concerned about, I also share a concern about stigma around the use of cannabis. Um, I've heard from my neighbors, I've talked to neighbors, I've listened to my neighbors here tonight. Um, and I just hope that I hear repeatedly, listen to the citizens, listen to the citizens. But one thing I think that we're not cons uh, considering is the stigma around citizens who are okay with this. So that is uh, difficult to share that um, I support this, but I do, I support it uh, from a revenue perspective. I also support it from the perspective of people being able to do what they want to do and whenever they want to do it. I've heard from families here that live in this community who have um, shared their use of cannabis, cannabis for medicinal and recreational purposes. And so I feel like are, is what you're saying is that you don't want people like you to be able to do what you do in your community. So that's just what I want to share. And I support this ordinance and for people's ability to do what they uh, would like to do in this community and for what it can bring to our community. And that's my Thank you. Next, we have uh, Hugh R. Eric. Hi, 
Hi, Dune. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Perfect. Um, my name is Eric Clark. I'm the CEO and founder of Quality Roots, a Metro Detroit-based cannabis operator. Um, I just want to talk briefly about our group and, and the process that we've been tracking here in Lathrop Village. Number one, our, our family has a strong history in development and compliance. My family ran and operated Save More Drug Stores for over 42 years. Um, I actually personally started a business in 2011 that was focused strictly on child development, which I'm still involved with today. Our, the rest of our group's portfolio is based on development and compliance history, as mentioned. And our application has won multiple competitive license aspects here in the Tri-County area, most recently in Berkeley and Waterford, coming first place in both of those municipalities. I think it's very important for us to state that we are very excited to go through the application process and prove to the Lathrop Village residents, officials, and reviewers that we, we the company Quality Roots, are doers. And we look forward to proving that. The communities in which we currently operate have seen strong community contributions in time, as well as the local DAs and, and arts and ballot initiatives. We believe that we have the best application to put forward here in the, in the village of Lathrop, and we look forward to that process. I think it's also important that we note that right now is a perfect time for Lathrop to control this process, especially the city council. You guys want premier state-of-the-art operators who understand, understand medical practice as well as retail operations. Companies like Hyatt and Quality Roots are two of the most well-known operators in the state for those two regards. We look forward to collaborating further with the community and proving our existence and also proving to the community that they have chosen the right operators by working with Quality Roots. We invite any resident out to our operating facilities to see what we are all about to engage with any one of our patient care specialists and to please ask us any questions on the engagement level at getqualityroots.com if there was any other future education that we could provide for any resident. Again, it is our interpretation to making sure that everybody is comfortable with this use and for everybody to understand that Quality Roots is one of the best operators to get people comfortable and practice. I appreciate everybody's time and look forward to the application process. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next is Darlene. You see a Darlene in the audience? I think Kelda's bringing them in. Oh, okay. Can look for it. There she is. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Yes, Um. I just wanted to say that, well, first of all, Lathrop Boats are Oakland County. Um, I have no problem with people using marijuana for medical purposes. Um, I, I listen to people and they say how it's helped them. My concern is having two dispensaries here within Lathrop Village. And I think that the people here should be able to vote on it and that is not something that a few members of city council can say yay or nay to so my uh main point was that to be able to put it to a vote for people here living in lathrop to vote whether or not they want dispensaries and i also 
wasn't unclear, was unclear whether or not when it says two dispensaries, does that mean that each dispensary will have a medical side and a recreational side so that there was actually four different selling spots within later? Um, so I wasn't, I, I was unclear about that, but I feel that um, Lathrop Village is a small uh, community and that those types of facilities aren't really necessary here considering we can go within a few miles of another city to get those. And um, so basically I was just saying it should be to a, put to a vote that let the residents have a say in whether or not they want to have dispensaries here in Lathrop. Thank you. Thank you. Next, Chris Aiello. Good evening, could you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, my name is Chris Aiello. I'm an attorney at 32411 Road in the cannabis industry. I represent many, many um, applicants who are looking for provisioning centers and um, recreational um, stores, uh, won a lot of licenses, lost some licenses. As I scrolled through your proposed ordinance, I picked up the following hiccups that might lead you to defend uh, your position in a court of law, which you don't want to get to. So uh, just one comment, section 28. I'm, I've seen these uh, clauses in other ordinances. I'm not sure what where you're really uh, setting up the insurance for because you have governmental immunity. So section 28, if uh, Mr. Baker, you want to take a quick peek at that? I'm not sure if uh, those clauses are necessary in the entire state of Michigan. Moving down to section 18-288A, the most important part um, that you see throughout the state of Michigan. So as you probably are all aware, there are multiple counties and circuit court judges throughout the state of Michigan that have entered temporary restraining orders against cities. And um, they've entered temporary restraining orders against cities from enforcement of their ordinance um, because of the scoring criteria. Taking a peek at your scoring criteria under A, I would offer the following comments. As an attorney who is actively engaged in multiple cities right now with lots of litigation, who has clients that want to participate and work in Lathrop Village but want a transparent and, um, an ordinance that they feel will uh, not take them to the Court of Appeals with anyone else that loses if they perhaps win. And so a quick cursory would view would point to section um, section B, police department approval. Just keep in mind, section nine of MRTMA says one thing. The ordinance must select by competitive bid best suited to operate in compliance with the act. The act is made up of 82 rules. 82 rules have nothing really to do with the police department. In fact, the police department's not named once on the 82 rules. Moving through uh, your um, ordinance going to section C. This one is a highly litigated criteria. Whether the proposed facility will revitalize or redevelop property that has been vacant or unused for an unextended period of time. That has no place in your ordinance. Beware of Berkeley, beware of Traverse City, beware of City of Westland. Um, they all had it and report here on. They're all under restraining orders as I speak to you right now. And that is prime, prime. Thank you, Mr. Aiello. 
Thank you. Next we have Greg Robalu. I know I just said Rubalo. I'm so sorry. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Good evening, Mayor Garrett and City Council. My name is Greg Rubalo. I'm here with Tom Bayer. We reside at 27641 Lather Boulevard. Um, first and foremost, I applaud City Council for bringing this topic to the table. Uh, I understand the topic and vote this evening is to adopt an ordinance in the event we allow cannabis industry into Lather Village. Um, this has been well vetted and not rushed. So kudos to you on that. Uh, I'd like to turn it over to Tom Bayer, who would also like to make some public comments on the topic. Hello, City Council. Um, <clears throat> my name is Tom Bayer. I have lived in Lathrop Village at 27641 Lathrop Boulevard for 21 years. Um, and I've watched Lathrop Village change. Change is good, sometimes not. Uh, when I first moved here, Lathrop Boulevard was a gorgeous stretch of neighborhood yards that sprawled on unending. And unfortunately, now I drive down a neighborhood full of rocks and reflectors and fields of stuff. I'm not really sure what it is. So. I don't want people to pretend that Lathrop Village is the same Lathrop Village that it was 30 years ago or even 21 years ago when I moved here. Um, I applaud you taking your time on this. Um, legal marijuana has been legal in Michigan now for quite some time and there is now federal legislation to legalize it. We do need the tax to, to be part of the tax revenue base that this has brought to many localities and the state of Michigan. I've been here through the good times and the bad times. At one point when we thought that Lathrop Village would be non-existent and absorbed by Southfield because we couldn't pay our bills. So Lathrop Village needs to be, continue to change, change for the better, lose stigmas and realize all those that are, you know, voting or saying that they have, don't have a problem with it, but just don't want it. The community adoptions that have taken place around us in several cities have shown positive results and none of the unfounded fears being suggested by the naysayers. Thank you. Thank you. And last we have Noah Harfouch. Hopefully I said that correctly. Good evening, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, Madam Mayor, Mayor, City Council, thank you for having me, and um, thank you for putting together a really, really well-drafted ordinance. Um, my name is Noah Harfush. I represent um, companies across the state of Michigan that apply for, and, and many of them have received state licenses uh, for provisioning centers and recreational adult-use marijuana uh, retail uh, uh, businesses. Uh, one of my clients happens to be um, the owner of the liquor store in, in Lathrop Village. And um, they are very interested in expanding their business into Lathrop Village and applying for um, a medical and recreational cannabis license. Um, the Dabish family has done a lot of good in Lathrop Village. And based on their experience in the village, and we've heard from a lot of residents and, and a lot of outside businesses, we know how to do good business in, in Lathrop Village. And I believe that the city would benefit from having somebody that's already done retail business that is in a space that is regulated like the liquor industry. Um, 
as as I see it, I do not think, however, that your ordinance is completely ready to be passed. I echo some of uh, Mr. Aiello's comments regarding uh, the litigation across the state of Michigan, I of which I'm involved in um, some of the lawsuits, um, and we're involved on both sides of uh, the coin where we have clients that have won licenses and are just waiting approval and some clients that uh, lost but were not given the benefit of a competitive process. One of the things that I see in your ordinance is uh, problematic for future litigation is, is the requirement to revitalize vacant property. Um, that is something again that's being litigated currently across the state and it is something that if the city intends to move forward with marijuana could be an issue and could essentially backpedal all of the work that you're doing for years to come before any progress is made. Uh, the reason that having a, a, a requirement like that is not something that the ordinance should have, nor should the scoring rubric have, is because under MRTMA, uh, which is the, the law that preempts any ordinance with respect to uh, the marijuana application process in a municipality, uh, the, the, the thing is clear that the application process needs to be a competitive process, one which provides the ability for all applicants to compete against each other and for the municipality to select an applicant that is best suited for complying with the act being MRTMA. Uh, as it currently stands, we strongly feel that the ordinance itself should be finely tuned. Um, I believe that uh, Lathrop should look into uh, some of the litigation that's occurring across the state for, and tune it so um, that it does my, not your time is up you're welcome thank you thank you madam mayor do you one second those last two comments. i'm sorry absolutely yeah madam mayor is it possible for us to at least let the the last two gentlemen finish their statement because uh when it comes to any kind of litigation scott baker or whatever no, needs to probably state I'm sorry that to but we're going to let our city attorney address it and we um, will be done with the, the comments, public comments for this. So, so just to address those last two uh, speakers that, that spoke about the scoring criteria, this ordinance doesn't actually contain the scoring criteria. Well aware of what the, the restrictions are over that. It's a document that will be produced later and approved by resolution of council in, in putting applicants on a level playing field. It, it's already been discussed as far as um, not limiting to only new properties or properties that are being redeveloped, but including those that are currently existing. So it, we are aware of that. Um, this is not the scoring matrix, however. Thank you. Um, we have um, sat here for quite a while. I think that we're all going to take about a five minute break just to uh, take care of some business. Uh, we will be back at 9 /11. God forbid if I get that. Thank you for allowing us to take that um, quick rest. Uh, we appreciate that. So, um, the, oh, I forgot why it doesn't make sense because it was not in the light. This is the right one. So, we're finished with the public comments. And so, we'll be moving on to our action items. So we're down to 12 and the first one up is the Evergreen Farmington Sanitary Drain Drainage District Chapter 20 Section 471 Agreement. 
Yes, Mayor and Council, we have um, Gary Nigro from the Oakland County Water Resource Commissioner Office here with us as well. And if you recall, we've had a few meetings in regards to this, and this is where the, um, the Evergreen Farmington um, Sanitary District is being converted into the Sanitary District, um, the tw Chapter 20 drain. And along with increasing the capacity, which will include the um, conversion of the sanitary um, retention tank for additional capacity as part of that system and those additional costs, which are highlighted in the um, memo that's in your package. But I think Gary can go over briefly those details with you. Gary, are you still there? And thank you for sitting through the meeting this long. Hopefully you're still there and not sleep. <laughs> Yeah, Cheryl, I thought you got me earlier in the agenda. What the heck, man? <laughs> <laughs> this was my version of early in the agenda. <laughs> uh, good evening. My name is Gary Nagro, and I, I'm a chief engineer at the Oakland County Water Resource Commissioner's Office. And uh, I oversee the wet weather operations for our regional sanitary sewer systems, uh, as well as a construction management unit. Um, and I'm here today to request your approval of the 471 agreement. Um, that's provided in your packet, I think. Um, this agreement facilitates the construction of four projects listed in the corrective action plan, allowing the Evergreen Farmington sanitary drain to send additional wet weather capacity to the Great Lakes Water Authority, and thereby in turn allowing Lathrop Village to send additional flow to the Evergreen Farmington sanitary drain. Um, the Evergreen Farmington sanitary drain, is, as Cheryl mentioned a, a minute ago, um, that was just recently created um, serves 15 Oakland County municipalities um, and the city of Lathrop Village discharges public sanitary sewage to the um, and I'm going to just start saying EFSD uh, instead of trying to say Evergreen Farming and Sanitary Drain um, for ultimate conveyance to the Great Lakes Water Authority um, through the interceptor system um, down to what used to be Detroit Water and Sewer treatment plants, now it's Great Lakes Water Authority. Um, the EFSD is under an administrative consent order uh, issued by Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy. And uh, the administrative consent order requires certain improvements to the EF system to reduce the occurrence of sanitary sewer overflows to the Rouge River system during wet weather events. Um, the uh, consent order corrective actions needed include purchasing additional outlet capacity from the Great Lakes Water Authority and construction of projects near Eight Mile and Evergreen Roads. Um, this, these projects will allow a peak wet weather sanitary flow from the 15 communities to reach the outlet that drains the GLWA system. Um, to facilitate these improvements, a, a new service agreement between the customer communities and the EF system is needed. And this agreement is authorized under section 471 of the Michigan Drain Code. And that's, that's why I'm referring to it as a, the 471 agreement. Um, but the uh, agreement will replace the existing 1989 intramunicipal agreement um, and establish new community contract capacities and provide a means of, of financing and completing projects necessary to bring the system into compliance. Um, so, the city of Lathrop Village has its own ACO, which requires collaboration and participation in the EF uh, SSO improvement projects. 
and uh, we believe successful completion of these improvements will allow both the city and the Evergreen Farmington Sanitary Drain to fulfill their administrative consent order obligations. Um, so we, we have um, met several times over the last year with um, um, both uh, Cheryl Mitchell and Pam Bracci, as well as uh, Scott uh, Ringler from Giffels Webster and uh, have gone over some of these improvements kind of in more detail. So, uh, but uh, it's a it's a collaborative effort between our office and all the customer communities. Um, so um, I guess I, I'm, at this point, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions um, that the council may have. Thank you. And it, sure. Have any questions from council? Okay, hearing none, I'm gonna take a motion. Yeah, I'll make a motion to adopt the attached resolution to approve plans and the estimate for, for oh, I'm reading up the wrong one. I'm on the wrong page. Somebody else who's got it. Go, go ahead, Ian, I know you like to get in there. Page 198. Page 198, uh, backwards, hang on. Thank you. No, not on my to approve the um, to approve yeah. the agreement and authorize the mayor and city administrator to sign any of the related documents. I'm trying to get to the bottom of it for you. Do you want me to do it? Okay, yeah. All right. So um, I make a motion to approve the Evergreen Farmington Sanitary Drain Drainage District Chapter 20, Section 471 Agreement, and authorize the mayor or city administrator to sign any needed or related document. Second. <laughs> Has been moved and second. Is there any discussion? Yeah, I just want to mention a couple things. Um, part of this agreement um, is going to allow us. So, so for those that don't know, we have a, a very large tank. I can't remember what is it, six million gallons, something like three that. Million. Mm -hmm. Three million um, gallons. Three, three million gallons. Yep. Yeah. Um, and what, one of the advantages of, the, of this arrangement uh, is, is that um, we will be able, uh, well, what that tank does is it essentially when, when we're during storm events bringing in uh, uh, wastewater and, and stormwater uh, into uh, our system, we, we're only allowed currently to uh, outflow it to the Evergreen Farming system at about, I think it's 3.35 cubic feet uh, per second. And part of this, this agreement um, is going to allow us to up that uh, at, to about about six, so almost doubling that. And the advantage of that is is that you know if we are intaking at faster currently at a faster than three point three five rate, that tank fills up, and that sewage has got to go somewhere. And when we can't discharge it, it backs up into into people's basements. So by doubling this, um, by doubling our rate of outflow. Um, that gives us a much bigger buffer uh, and much less of a chance of, of uh, our own feces backing up into our into our houses. But um, the one thing I do want to mention as, as part of this, um, we have to invest about a half a million dollars into our tank because our tank is is, is a little bit dated. It needs it needs some updates, uh, sorry, upgrades and some maintenance. Um, I think one of our pumps, one of the four pumps, isn't working. needs to needs to be replaced. Um, so, so that $500,000 uh, is part of the uh, capital improvement bond that was part of what raised people's water bills. Now, I know people, myself included, don't like paying a, a higher water bill, um, but this was one of many things that, that really needed to take place. And this is, this is you know, a, a protection mechanism for all of our residents 
um, so that we don't have backups in our basement. So if we didn't do this and things started backing up in your basement, I think people would be a lot more upset than the you know few dollars that this is causing uh, costing people uh, on a monthly basis to to make sure that uh, we can outflow faster than we inflow. So just wanted to make that comment. Thank you. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call. Council Member Siddiqui? Yes. Council Member Ferguson? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? Yes. And Council Member Medley? Yes. Motion carry. Thank you. Okay, Next thank you, Council. Resolution. Thank, thank you. you. I'm sorry, Gary. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Have a good night. Um, next, we have the resolution to approve plans and estimate uh, for ditch repair for Cambridge Boulevard and to direct city treasurer to make a special assessment role. So I can introduce, introduce this one, Madam Mayor. The uh, as you. It seems like weeks ago, but earlier this evening, we did have the hearing on advisability and public comment. Uh, the Because there are 13 parcels involved in this, our ordinance uh, indicates that if more if council receives objection from more than 30%, then the, and I think Bruce, uh, Mayor Pro Tem alluded to this earlier, that, that the SAD would, would be abandoned and we would move on to the next on the list. Uh, not having received the requisite number of objections to this, my recommendation would be to move this forward, include it in your packet, uh, page 199-200 is the proposed resolution, which would accept and uh, approve the plans and cost estimates that were presented by the city engineer, also directs the city treasurer, uh, who's the designated agent for the city assessor, because we don't have one, uh, is directed to uh, prepare the special assessment rule based upon the cost estimate and the parcels that were included in the information provided by the city engineer. Um, this also will schedule a second reading, or I'm sorry, a second public hearing for confirmation of the rule. That public hearing will be held on August 16th. Uh, again, individuals in that role can uh, appear, protest, um, or file any objection. That public hearing will be, the objections received at that public hearing will be limited to the accuracy of the rule. So if, example, if your parcel is on Lathrop Boulevard, but somehow you ended up uh, being included on the Cambridge SAD uh, due to my poor typing, then you can come and object to that and we'll correct that. So uh, again, that's, that's scheduled to be the 16th of August. I'll make a motion this time on the correct page, uh, which is which is the one that I was doing before, uh, is to adopt the attached resolution to approve plans and, and an estimate for ditch repair for Cambridge Boulevard and to direct the city treasurer to make the special assessment roll. Second. It's been moved and second. Is there any discussion? I, I have a question. So as we go forward with the second reading um, for the residents, I know that we didn't have enough folks show up, you know, to, to speak against this. How will they, how have they been notified of the special assessment? And then how will they be notified um, for the second 
opportunity to speak against. And, and my question is, sometimes people don't pay attention until it really gets close and it's really gonna cost money. And so I just wanna make sure that they have an opportunity to be heard. So how will they be notified or will we communicate with them? Yeah, absolutely, it's a great question. So we, we actually, in addition to publishing this in the local paper with this, these uh, notices of public hearing were mailed directly to all 13 okay. parcels. And that will also take place uh, for the second public hearing. So that notice okay. will go out, uh, I believe, Thursday. by Thursday of this week. And then those will also be mailed directly to those residents again. And the only other question I would I would add to that as well is um, we oftentimes hear of um, the, the poor mail delivery service within Lathrop Village. Are we sending those first class certified? Uh, they're, they're sent first class. Okay. Um, hopefully we get them before the 16th. Isn't there a requirement that it have to be a certain number of days? It's like 14 days. It's a minimum, uh, on our own, it's a minimum of 10 days in advance yeah. of them. Okay. All right, I just want to make sure folks here and now. Any other questions, discussions? Roll call, please. Roll call, council member Ferguson. Yes. Mayor Garrett. Yes. Mayor Pro Tim Cantor. Yes. Yes. Okay. Council member Medley. Yes. Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. And Next, we have the second reading ordinance to them to amend the city of Lather Village Code of Ordinance by adding chapter 18, article six, cannabis business and a six or eight. No, I have to get that checked up. Okay, sorry. So this is a new topic for this evening. Uh, this relates to the cannabis ordinance. Um, now this, so this is the first of the two, as we uh, referenced earlier, this is the general ordinance uh, language that would address specifically uh, the number of facilities, the criteria for those facilities, and the, then the procedure by which city council will um, create a scoring matrix to rank the applicants, uh, the procedure for the city council to uh, open up that application period, and then as well as the uh, standards that are, are expected or potentially could be included in that scoring matrix. Thank you. So that's just some, yeah. So someone wants to make a motion for that one. There's the language. Yeah, it's on right, page 208. I can make, because I have the change from the study session. Okay. So uh, I'm going to make a motion to approve the ordinance to amend the city of Lake Village Code of Ordinances by adding Chapter 18. Uh, Article 6, uh, Cannabis Businesses, with the change that we discussed in, in the study session uh, in Section 12-288, subsection C, point B, um, uh, changing the 80% requirement to 85%, um, uh, meaning that uh, applicants have to score at least 85% of the points. Uh, Second. Second. Okay, it's moved and seconded. Is there um, any discussion? Yeah, I, I'd like to make some points. Um, I, in my usual long-winded way, I have probably five, six, seven minutes worth of stuff that I, I'd like to talk about. Um, 
first off, either there were a lot of comments made uh, both today and at the planning commission, and then uh, uh, really a lot of them in the in the written comments that we received, um, talking about the speed of this process. So I want to talk a little bit about um, how this this potentially legalizing cannabis in Lathrop came about, uh, because this process has actually been going on uh, in earnest with serious discussion for about two and a half years now. Um, back in March of 2019. Uh, when recreational cannabis became legal, uh, we purposefully opted out, as as I think the attorney mentioned earlier in the meeting, uh, for uh, opted out and, and sunsetted at 18 months. And we did this so that we would have a year and a half uh, to see the results of the early adopters, see what worked, what didn't work, what issues and what problems came up, um, and essentially give it time for enough data to, to be collected that we could then analyze it and make an informed decision for, uh, for the city. Um, Despite what some of the detractors are, are telling residents, um, I think council went into this with a very open mind. Um, I know that I certainly did and had made up my mind ahead of time. Um, we established a cannabis committee with about six months left in that year and a half period to study the available data that was coming through, um, look at the potential fit for Lathrop and, and, and to make a recommendation to council. Um, they made the recommendation at the very end of the, the 18 months, and because of that, uh, we decided to add another year to the process uh, to extend the sunset um, so that we could further study the actual ordinances that were in place in, in the state, uh, as well as outside of the state, so that we could really develop a, a potential ordinance that will, will work best for uh, later. So during that two and a half year process, um, residents had a, a countless number of opportunities to express their opinions. Uh, share their ideas, help form an ordinance, dissuade council from moving forward, request a citywide vote, uh, and, and, and so on. Um, there's been, as I said, there's been a lot of talk about uh, how quickly and how rushed this process was, um, which actually made me go back and kind of uh, wonder about the process itself, maybe second guess it a little bit. So I went back and I looked through all the city meetings that we had in the, the last year or so. And the number of meetings where we had um, cannabis on the agenda, uh, specifically on the agenda as a discussion item, not just where meetings where cannabis was mentioned, but specifically on the number of uh, on the agenda um, was substantial. If you go back and you look at the uh, city council study sessions, uh, going back a year uh, to July of, of 2020, uh, that was it was on the I was on the agenda on July 13th, July 27th, August 3rd, August 17th, September 14th, the 28th, October 19th, November 9th, November 23rd, December 7th, December 21st, moving into 2021, February 1st, February 22nd, March 15th, May 3rd. And if you add that up, that's 15, 15 separate meetings. And those were just the study sessions. Now, if you add on top of that city council meetings, you have another five meetings where, where cannabis was specifically on the agenda and discussed. We had six marijuana committee meetings, um, and that's where the subcommittee met. And those meetings were specifically to talk about marijuana. So the whole meeting was addressed to that. Um, we had two additional joint meetings, and again, no pun intended there, um, but those were meetings um, between the DDA, the Planning Commission, and the City Council. Uh, one of those was specifically about marijuana, the other one had marijuana on the agenda. In addition to that, we had six Planning Commission meetings. Um, on top of that, we had a town hall, we had a cannabis open house, we had a planning commission public hearing and a planning commission uh, comment sec session. So there were 38 meetings in the last year uh, where cannabis was a primary point of discussion. And all of those meetings were announced. I know a lot of people said, well, we didn't know about this and we had no way of knowing and we just found out about it. 
Um, all of those meetings were announced using some combination of the following, the city calendar, the city website, the city Facebook page, the villagers Facebook page, the weekly e-newsletter, the Your Town magazine, um, the uh, Municode, the newspaper, and public access TV. And then after those meetings took place, the majority of them were, were recorded. Um, and those meetings were played on public access TV. Um, they're also, uh, they were available and still are available on YouTube. The minutes of the meetings are available online. And for people, you know, the, there's an argument for people who, you know, don't have technology. Uh, all of those meetings are, uh, the minutes are available at City Hall upon request. So I, I think it's, it's, it's really um, almost preposterous to, to, to suggest that this process moved too quickly or that the residents didn't have time for input. Um, I think maybe things move too quickly from when you specifically learned about it, but I think responsibly engaged residents, you know, have more than enough time to uh, provide input. And, you know, our, our goal as a council, or not our goal, our responsibility as a council is, is to govern and doing so, you know, is the result of, of, of 11th hour complaints for or against any issue really is not a, a productive way uh, to do so. And, and I, I, I say it all honestly, I, I really wish that somebody had come to our one of our 38 meetings in the last year and said, hey, how about throwing this out to the voters? Because I think that's a great idea. I, something that I wish we had, we had thought of and discussed and, um, you know, instead of kind of focusing our efforts on, on the ordinance itself. Um, however, no one came to the meetings to suggest that. And now it's too late for the November ballot. Um, and at this point, you know, an ordinance is, is really uh, necessary um, to be put into place as an effective deterrent against outside groups pushing charter amendments against us and also uh, you know outside groups you know uh, forcing us or uh, shouldn't say forcing us but taking away our ability to regulate cannabis in the city and i think um, a lot of people i know it was mentioned earlier tonight uh, that, that a ballot initiative that there was a ballot initiative to add an amendment to our city charter to allow cannabis uh, in, a, in a dramatically and more expanded way than was than is proposed in the ordinance that we've we've put forth, um, that also would have prevented the city from enforcing uh, any regulation. Uh, this was going to be on the ballot. They had more than enough signatures uh, until I noticed some irregularities and fraud that I turned over to the city attorney, or I should say, potential fraud, um, turned over to the city attorney, and that forced that group to withdraw their petition. But I guarantee you um, that at the next election after the November election, there will be another charter, another group putting a charter amendment on our uh, on our ballot if we don't adopt an ordinance first, because that will act as, as, as a deterrent. In addition, um, our sunset ends in August. And as soon as that sunset expires, it's open season uh, to uh, issue licenses in, in, in the city of Lathrop. And I was actually talking to the city attorney a little bit earlier. And he said he was would, would be surprised if there haven't been people who have already, um, you know, pushed for uh, or, or submitted for a license. You know, should that that sunset um, expire. So for those that, that are opposed to the ordinance, um, should it pass tonight, um, I truly invite you to use the laws and the, the process and the timing um, to get an initiative on the ballot. Um, you obviously have enough signatures. Um, and, and get, get, get it on the ballot in the next election to support your views. That's what any, any resident should do. Um, as far as my own uh, opinions, um, I have not heard many arguments against cannabis yet uh, tonight or the planning commission or from the comments that were typed in um, that aren't, stereotype, uh, aren't stereotypes or, or fear-based. So for example, I hear 
um, you know, detractors constantly saying that our, our property values will, will plummet. That's not the that's not what the data and that's not what the research shows, um, both within Michigan and within other states. Um, there were a lot of uh, comments made tonight that were, uh, again, I think fear-based or stereotypical, like people, you know, hanging out at the pot, pot store, smoking outside. That can't happen, and if it does happen, that's why we have a police force to to arrest those people for violating the law. Um, you know and that it's, it's not safe. Revoking the license. Was that and a basis and, for revoking? Yes, yeah, and, and, and a basis license. for revoking the license if that happens too. Um, you know they're, they're not safe. They invite crime. Those those buildings, based upon the way that we've written the ordinance, are going to be locked tight. You know marijuana has to be sorry cannabis needs to be kept in a a, a locked safe. Um, you know that they're required to have uh, video cams that that you know are recorded and saved that 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 view the entire building inside and out. Um, you know there were comments again cut through traffic. How is that different from any other? You know if we have a popular restaurant that opens up uh, or any other popular business. This that's, is no longer about the ordinance, right? What's that? Still about the ordinance? Okay, yeah. making sure. Yeah. That yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a data person and, and the studies and research that I've read along with the, the findings of the, the cannabis committee um, lead me to believe that this will be good for Lathrop. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, it, it's change and it's change is always scary, but um, hopefully this will act as a catalyst for Southfield Road. Again, we see this in, in city after city, both within Michigan and without Michigan. Is it the best catalyst? Is it what I would would have chosen as a catalyst? No, um, but this is this is something that that could definitely work. We'll get some buildings that will be renovated. Uh, we'll even bring in some 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 well needed revenue for the city. So, um, and then another another point that was that was also made today tonight. Um, uh, one of the speakers talked about that, that there's a six stigma for those people that that are pro marijuana or pro cannabis. Um, and I think because a lot of that you hear, you don't hear a lot of the the, the, the vocal support like you do for the the, the side that is uh, uh, against cannabis. And and I can say my experience, and I know I've talked to Councilman Siddiqui. Um, we recently went door to door, and our experience was completely different from from what uh, uh, those the, those people who who submitted the petition. Um, uh, so uh, because of this and uh, you know some of these reasons, I, I will be supporting this ordinance tonight. So um, my question is, by not and, and putting it on the record, not supporting this ordinance opens the door for ballot initiatives where someone else can write our own their own ordinance. Correct. Correct. I mean, it, it, by putting this on doesn't necessarily preclude anyone from right, submitting right, a ballot right. initiative, but. The biggest thing, and what Mayor Pro Tem just identified, is that, and I, and I, unfortunately, neglected to do, to include this in my introductory statement. But the sunset provision does expire next month, and if there is nothing in place, then there are. And I did mention that uh, by default, communities are opted in unless they have something in place otherwise. With nothing in place and the sunset expiring, uh, then that that is an, an opportunity for any type of cannabis facility uh, that has a state license to operate within the city and the city doesn't have a say on that. So uh, it is important to have something in place, whether licenses are issued, if there's whether the timeline is next month, two months, three months, however long it takes, uh, I do think it's important to have something in place just to prevent that from that scenario from unfolding. 
And by accepting this um, ordinance, it is not saying that we are accepting having any dispensaries or any type of cannabis operation in Lakeville. It's not authorizing any licenses. It, it is saying that the city is open to issuing two licenses if, if this and this is the criteria that they have to follow. And so it does set the framework, but it, it doesn't by any action tonight is not going to uh, issue any licenses. There's nobody going to be lining up tomorrow to file their application. Uh, there won't be any cannabis businesses opening up tomorrow. Right. And that, and that for that to happen, those would be the resolutions that would, will be discussed at the August. Correct. There's additional steps that need to take place before before we can get to that point. And yeah. so those are going to be the, um, the, as you said, the resolutions that's going to come in August. So I'm, at I'm just early, at the earliest. So well, yeah, at the earliest. But I'm just wanting to um, the passion that I saw tonight with a lot of residents, and that when um, I was at Panera, um, is that. Um, for me, I was voted in by the residents, not my personal feelings, not my, you know, anything else. And so just, it's funny to me that everyone who is either pro or against, the majority was for whatever they were for. So I find that very fascinating because um, I'm literally looking at what we had tonight and it's literally split right down the middle um, because I did do the scratch uh, tally of what everyone was saying. Um, and so it, it's, um, this one is a tough one for me because I can't say that, um, I am for, uh, a dispensary being in Lathrop. Um, I get what we need as in revenue, but then my question is how much really is the revenue that's coming in and where is the data that shows how much a local, um, a local city of our size in Michigan, what do they bring in? And I mean, these are just some of the questions um, that I have. And the other one for the the putting to vote to the residents, that's due tomorrow <laughs> to the Secretary of State, correct? Correct. Yeah, and, and I would just say, if if the only factor uh, in your decision making practice practice or processes the potential revenue personally I wouldn't do it because right. I mentioned it before there's there are significant costs associated with with these facilities from from the review uh, component to the enforcement the inspections uh, it's it's not going to make a bunch of money for the community maybe someday it will but uh, I wouldn't use it to balance the budget or, or rely on it as a significant source of income. So yeah. th that I would take that out of your your decision making process. Yeah. Personally, for 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 me, um, you know, I've I've seen you know I spent a lot of time in Colorado about a month a month a year in Colorado, and I've seen what it's what it's done in terms of uh, catal catalyzing growth, um, you know, around these new buildings as they they open. And that for me, that's the the, the biggest positive. The revenue for me is last. Right. Um, I think, what size are these cities that you saw? Uh, uh, Silverthorne is probably about the same size as us. Okay. Um, several others um, similar. Um, for me, that's a, acting as, I mean, we need something as a, as a Southfield Road catalyst. And, and to me, I think this has the, the potential to get it started. Um, for me, the second uh, reason is, is because from what I've seen in Michigan and outside of Michigan, these businesses put a lot 
lot of money into their buildings. They put a lot of money into making them look good, keeping them up, you know, the upkeep. And, and again, that's what we need. Another example would be would, uh, the Evans off the road would be great. And then for me, revenue is third. So, so if, if I could say something, I just kind of want to go back. Um, we're talking about a couple of different things. And what we're really trying to address is the ordinance at right. this point. So I want to second what Bruce said and the fact that this hasn't been a rush decision. And I spent time, as, as did two of the other council members, um, really digging into this and looking at all the angles. And when I joined that committee, I did not anticipate, you know, supporting it. I really didn't because I felt like, you know, well, there's a lot of things I feel about it, but I did not feel that it was necessarily something that, that I saw for Lathrop Village as a, as a potential. What really concerns me is the fact that this is an ordinance where we have the opportunity to self-govern. And so I feel that we need to have an ordinance so somebody doesn't get to come in and dictate what happens at Lathrop Village without city council and without the residents weighing in. And the fact that Kelly has tick marks you know, I mean, we've been listening to residents and it is a split issue and it may need to be on the ballot, but without an ordinance and without that governing process, we're really kind of wide open. And so that is a concern for me. The, the second thing that is a concern for me is, you know, we heard tonight that those petitions were signed by a majority of residents. That's not accurate. They were signed by a group of residents. And so we haven't heard from everyone. So if it does end up on the ballot, everyone gets an opportunity, everyone gets to vote. But I also believe that, you know, did we vote on a Panera? Did we vote on a nail salon? Did we vote on, um, you know, a hair salon? We have ordinances in place that govern businesses. This is a business in the state of Michigan. So therefore, I don't necessarily think that individual people should get to vote on whether or not we have a business. You know, that'll be something that if the residents bring it forward and they want to do a petition, fine. But I think that you have to have rules that are consistent across all legitimate recognized businesses in order not to open yourself up for litigation. And so what has, has been really interesting is the passion that folks felt. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it was a hat shop or if it was an ice cream shop or if it was a donut shop. And, and the other side of that is I completely understand that, you know, and what people want, where they choose to live and in their neighborhood. But I think it's really short-sighted for us not to approve an ordinance where Lathrop Village remains in control. And, and I think that that's what happens if we don't vote for the ordinance is we lose that ability to self-govern what happens in our city. So let me jump in there for yeah, a second. I, my, first, I, um, my first vote was not to allow Tim Hortons here. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be my- that Because it had a drive-through. Yes, <laughs> that was my, my very first vote. And then the other one was the, you know, I mean, there has been votes, and I know that goes against what or, what we had in our charter and the ordinance, but there have been votes where we, we have voted on. We've had to turn ordinance without a director. I mean, I, I, we, tried, I, we tried to get a Starbucks, and that was also a no. And I, I don't think it had. Am I right that we tried to get a Starbucks and it, we, we tried to get a Starbucks too? and a Tim Hortons, and and they were yeah, both yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and there were no petitions the, there. The charge against the Tim Hortons, well, and know. you know, because I was you guys let me talk for twenty minutes, right? Uh, which was What's, what has I was going to say, which was a, 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 a view <laughs> of things to come, um, but. Um, 
you know, it, that wasn't against donut shops or coffee shops. That was because that particular business didn't fit on that particular piece of land, on that particular okay. piece of land okay. because of what, what it would do to the neighborhoods and, and so forth. And, and the, mm -hmm. you know, there, I think the biggest thing was, was their traffic plan, mm -hmm. you know, would have had, you know, the drive-through backing up onto, onto the, one of the busiest roads in, in, in the county. Right. So, I mean, it, it wasn't because it was, a, we didn't want coffee shops. It was right. because that coffee shop didn't fit on that particular piece of property. So then I have, I have one other thing to say, and, and I feel really strongly about this. Um, so we heard tonight about stigma. And um, then we also heard um, someone talk about, you know, people like you to do what they want to do. And that was that was said. And so my struggle with this is that there were people who spoke tonight who use marijuana, who buy marijuana, <laughs> who creams, who do all sorts of different things. And yet it's, it's kind of like, you know, my parents owned a, a, a liquor store in a small town. They sold it out the back door to the Baptists. You know, we, we were Southern Baptists because people didn't want it in their neighborhood. And I really think that that is, um, I think it's a holdover and, and I think it's elitist. And I think that if you want to utilize a service or a product, but you don't want to necessarily have that where you live, then there's some other issues you need to deal with. Yeah. Um, uh, Councilwoman Medley, I totally agree with you. I mean, this is about stigma, just bottom line. Almost everybody that spoke in, you know, against marijuana, basically, you know, it's about stigma. This is not a Cheech and Chong business. That's been the, the stalwart for the last 20, 30 years. Most of the people that think about marijuana, they think about Cheech and Chong. This is not that business. I've been saying that since day one. Even when uh, Councilman Siddiqui and I started going out and actually talking to people in different communities, and uh, let me just be specific, in particular, we started talking to chiefs of police in these different cities. For example, Hazel Park, we spoke to Chief uh, Balkholtz directly on the phone, and we simply asked him, because I'm not pro-marijuana by any stretch of the, the imagination. I thought we were going to see high crime in these cities. I thought we were going to see loitering. Or I thought we were going to see uh, traffic issues, like as far as parking, as far as, you know, just nuisance issues. And in every case, in every step of that process, where we talked to the chief of Hazel Park, the chief of Walled Lake, <laughs> the, the, we talked to people in Westland, the, the council people in Westland. We, I, you know, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many how many council people, how many city managers we talk to. We talk to people in White Cloud. We talk to even dispensaries in Hazel Park, not just Hyatt, but several others that are down the street. And in every case, zero crime as, as, uh, as evidence based on what we submitted, um, property values actually going up. And in addition to that, uh, these dispensaries they're putting millions of dollars in the dispensary. So when I hear that a resident is being booed because he smokes marijuana and he has a, a opposing viewpoint, it speaks volumes to the stigma associated with having these in your city that you did not do the research. I'm sorry. The vast majority of people who signed that petition didn't do the research. We did. And I was not pro-marijuana. Pro so that, that's one point. Second point is, 
uh, council was totally hands off on the process. I was just an advisor. Councilman Siddiqui was the, the chair. Uh, Councilwoman Medley was not a council person at the time. I actually met her through the, the, the marijuana process, the marijuana committee. So she was not even, I, I had never been introduced to her. So we took a stance to say, okay, let's see what the data, where the data is gonna take us. So that's what we did, we followed the data. And as I stated before, I really thought crime was gonna be high, when in fact, there is zero crime associated with this. There is high level of security. So everyone's talking about, you know, it's a cash business, you're gonna have issues with that. High level of security. And in, the, in, in addition to that, the police is uh, also, you know, sub supporting, maybe they weren't supporting before, but they actually support these businesses that have set up and have improved the level of those cities that they, they participate in. So um, again, I, I, I can't even speak to all of the other things, um, but I will say this, that it's a legitimate business. I didn't see a petition for Jagged Fork and Jagged Fork has a lot of traffic. Go by Jagged Fork at 12 noon to 3 p.m. I didn't see any petitions submitted to me before they opened business. And you had plenty yeah, of- and a lot of parking. Here, right? What was that? You had, had a lot of parking. What was and that? a lot of parking. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, this is about stigma, plain and simple. It's just a retail business. And, and, you know, I'll give it to someone else, but I, you know, I have a, a couple of other things. Well, let, me, let me just, uh, thanks. I, I echo kind of, I echo what Bruce said and what Don and Ian are saying. Um, this was not a rush process at all. We took plenty of time to come to an informed and invest, you know, did a lot of investigation to come to the decision as a, as a committee. And now through this whole process, the city is doing that very deliberately coming to a decision on this issue. Um, and, and, and Kelly's right. I mean, we, we need to listen to the residents, right? We're, we're voted in and to do what's best for the city to do what the residents want. The residents I talk to, and I talk to a lot of people, it's two to one favoring allowing the marijuana dispensaries in the city. So I know a lot of people signed the petition. That's great. I respect them and I respect their views. But like Don said, that's a group of people that have that feeling. The people that I talk to up and down my street and other streets that I've been to, like I said, it's a, it's a two to one ratio. It's more than two to one. There's some that are indifferent. There's very few that are opposed and there's quite a few that are in favor. So that's where I take the lead. I, you know, I don't care about marijuana. I don't, I've never smoked it. I'm not in, in this for, for any other reason than to do what's best for the city. We did the investigation. There's very few negatives. There's a lot of positives to the point where, hey, that's where the decision went. That committee was very unbiased, uh, unlike some rumors that I've heard or some talk. I mean, we all went in there with our minds open and, and came to that decision. Um, so, you know, so I think, you know, to me, you know, the people are telling me that they do want it. That's what I see. And that's who I've talked to. And because of that, and the fact that we have to control this now, there's really no option. You can't like not, I don't, in my mind, you can't not pass this at this point because there's gonna be another group that comes in, you know, with their own ballot initiative and then we're gonna be stuck. Um, you can't have that happen. 
you got to be in control of the situation. And that's what we're here, you know, we've been voted on this council to do that, um, not abdicate our responsibilities on these kind of issues. Yeah, just uh, I want to add to I'm going to close it because we, we kind of are, um, uh, are talking about, to me, not all the same things. Right now, we're just talking about an ordinance, to put an ordinance in place so we have uh, local control over it mm -hmm. and not voting for, rather not, we're allowing dispensaries or whatever um, to come to uh, Lathrop. So, um, yeah, was there anything else that has to do with the ordinance that anybody wants to speak to? Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I have something to say regarding the ordinance. So, part of that ordinance is about testing facilities, and testing facilities do not sell marijuana. They test product, a minimum amount of product. So, when you hear testing facilities for marijuana, they don't sell marijuana. It's a high level of expertise that would relocate in a city, and they, a hundred percent. In the cities that we we researched, they relocate to the city. Not only do they set up businesses, but the people that work for these companies, they don't drive in. They buy houses in Lathrop. They establish their families here. So it's about the ordinance and testing facilities. They don't sell marijuana. So that's another miscommunication on, on the other side. Okay, um, yeah, I just wanted to real quickly, Kelly, before we close it up, I wanted to uh, respond to a couple things that residents said and questions that were, were asked uh, during the, the public comment. Um, you know, uh, one resident asked if, if this ordinance passes, um, can residents, essentially, I think you used the word nix, can they nix uh, a business if they don't want it? And the answer to that question is, is, is no. Um, however, you know, we, the, the next ordinance that we'll be voting on will be the, the zoning ordinance and part of any approval of any of, of, of cannabis business is uh, a special land use, correct? That's yeah. correct. Yeah, so there'd be a special land use and as part of the special land use, what that means is that we, while it is a, a valid use of, of a piece of land, um, there may be special properties of that land uh, that might allow for some uh, specific conditions. So to throw out an example, we've got the gas station that's that's potentially opening. So there was a special land use for that. And we, we put conditions on it like, uh, um, you know, you, 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 the light couldn't come off the property or they couldn't have speakers on their, on their gas pumps, things like that. So um, residents would be notified. Um, and then residents would then be able to uh, state their views if there were specific conditions that needed to be put on the reasonable conditions that, that uh, uh, needed to be put on, on that particular uh, business. But they can't, they can't uh, uh, 86 of a business just because, because they don't like it. Um, another comment uh, question that was made, was the, the, I think the very first speaker wanted to know why it wasn't a conflict of interest um, between the, uh, the, the committee and, and, and council. Um, and then there was also, I think, a, a public comment that was written that talked about how the committee was was stacked. Um, just want to address those two points very quickly, and I think uh, Councilman Ferguson started to address it as well. Um, in terms of it being stacked, we had six applications for five positions, or five applications for four positions. Um, so I don't know how that was stacked. Um, we basically worked from the the, the, the group that we, we uh, that, that we had to pool, the pool that we had to choose from. Um, I think everybody on that was open-minded. I think there was one person who wanted to relitigate the issue uh, and couldn't focus on the task, task at hand, but um, I, I think it was an open-minded committee. 
Um, and then they were talking about conflict of interest again, as, as Councilman Ferguson said, he was an advisor. He was not on the committee. Um, Don was not a, a council person uh, at that point. And I think one of the reasons why Don was actually appointed to council um, was because of her knowledge and her research um, having to do with, with marijuana, because we knew that this was one of the biggest decisions that we will have made in years. And she had a, a wealth of knowledge from her work on that that committee and bruce i just want to be really clear about that i knew i didn't know about marijuana when we started on that process so it's not like i came in as an advocate right. so i came in i spent a lot of time learning and reading and i did not expect to be someone who again would be supportive right and i think i think everybody who was on the committee having listened to all the meetings uh, was, was 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 like that um so um and I think that's the other questions that came up. Uh, oh, the other one that, that, that came up was, is council simply just trying to delay by uh, putting an ordinance in place? Um, I, I can speak for myself uh, and probably the rest of the, the council. I don't think anybody's using this, this as a delay tactic. Um, you know, part of the process is, is getting the ordinance in place. And then the next step of the process is um, the resolutions. And, and that'll be where we discuss, you know, when and, and if we, we start this process. Um, we're just taking it step by step. Um, nobody is trying, at least they can, I, I know I'm not, and I, I think I can speak for everybody else, that nobody is trying to do a delay uh, process here, uh, simply just by getting an uh, ordinance on, on, the, on the books. And I think somebody had, had brought that up. Um, uh, I don't remember the name of the person, but I think that was all the questions. Were there other questions that you wrote down that? Mayor, yeah, if I could one. just offer a couple comments um, that haven't been touched on already. Um, a couple of people mentioned that we might be trying to enter into this because of the fees that, and dollars that might be generated from mm -hmm. this. And that I don't think is really accurate. I think the revenues that have been generated around 28,000 right. per community plus the per, uh, business. per business, per business license. And then the, um, the fee, the license fee, which is um, what 5,000 per license, which is barely enough to cover the cost. But the economic development, it, it gives you another economic development tool in your tool case you know, for the for your local community. And we need that here. We all understand we need that here. So as a catalyst for economic development, and also we have as an incentive within our scoring system for the community reinvestment. So a community benefit. So they have to demonstrate if they want to get the scoring, a community benefit. So reinvestment in our parks, reinvestment in something that's going to be beneficial to the local community. So somehow, assuming that this passes, that there is some way that we can they can demonstrate to us that there is a benefit to local community for them to be a, a partner with us. And also, I just want to mention that nothing in the language, and I want to applaud um, our attorney for making certain that the language does not say shall, it says may. So at any point in the process, council can put the brakes on it and say, this is not what we want to do as we proceed. This is not appropriate for us. Um, so you are again in the driver's seat as, we, um, as we're looking at this every step of the way. Thank you. Um, well, I think we're just gonna go to a roll call for the ordinance only. <laughs> Roll call, Mayor Garrett. For some first, yes. <laughs> Mayor Pro Tem Cantor. Yes. Council Member Medley. Yes. Council Member Siddiqui. 
Yes. And Council Member Ferguson. Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. They have the um, consideration of adoption marijuana cannabis zoning ordinance. And Jill is here in case you have any questions as well. Anybody want to make is that, a question? Is someone introducing that? I think we'll let Jill talk on that one. <laughs> I'd be happy to talk about it. Um, so with the packet that you had for this meeting, um, you received the memo uh, that described some of the process uh, that the Planning Commission mm -hmm. went through and some of the considerations that, that they went through in um, creating the ordinance that would regulate the placement of the cannabis facilities. Um, these were all contingent on and still continue to be contingent on the license ordinance um, and the issuance of licenses. So there are, um, even by adopting this language, um, this does not open the doors tomorrow to these facilities. Um, this is all dependent on the issuance of licenses. Um, so you'll see again through the, um, the process that we talked about, some of the issues that we discussed, including trash, um, hours of operation, um, where these uses would be permitted, um, parking, outdoor limitations on outdoor activities, and then in the ordinance, which we've discussed with the Planning Commission. Um, I had my other PowerPoint open, I forget now. Hold on, I think like five times. Oh, I have it on the cover. So we started talking about it last October, and we discussed it October, January, February, April. We had an open house in May, um, discussed it again in June, and then a public hearing uh, last week. Planning Commission. So the Planning Commission has also been discussing this along with Council um, for a good year now. Um, and um, after the public hearing at the Planning Commission last week, Planning Commission recommended that Council consider adoption of the ordinance. And I can answer any questions that you might have. Thank you. Who's going to make the motion? There's, I don't see any language for it, but I'll make a motion to approve the uh, uh, zoning ordinance related to cannabis. Second. It's been moved and second. Is there any uh, discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call, Mayor Pro Tem Cantor. Yes. Member Medley. Yes. Council Member Siddiqui? Yes. Council Member Ferguson? Yes. And Mayor Garrett? Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. Next, we have the consideration of adoption comprehensive plan. Let's talk about this one too. Yep. Uh, so as you may remember, um, well over a year ago, we um, started the planning process together of updating the city's comprehensive plan um, at a joint meeting of city council, planning commission, uh, the downtown development authority. And um, we, uh, since that time, um, even through the COVID pandemic, um, planning commission has been working on um, ways to update the community, uh, excuse me, the comprehensive development plan. Um, and there is um, with your packet, an outline of um, some of the changes um, and refinements that were made to the document. Um, we didn't make any changes to the future land use map. 
Uh, mostly these were refinements for um, some of the implementation strategies, um, updating those and um, creating new uh, strategies. One of the things that I think is a highlight of the, a couple things really, um, highlights of this plan include the idea of the neighborhoods um, and the idea of the neighborhood being like the really the local unit um, that the city can use and residents can use together um, in a variety of ways to promote um, more engagement within the city um, rather than as we kind of seen tonight um, where we get people really um, engaged as we are nearing the end um, and to some of the comments that were made a little bit earlier um, trying to get folks engaged um, or much earlier in the process. And um, the idea behind some of that neighborhood um, organization is that we would provide a framework um, over time where people can really be engaged earlier. Um, that also speaks to the idea of resiliency and sustainability um, and doing those things at the local level. So um, ideas about uh, making sure that residents in every neighborhood have uh, an awareness of the resources that might be available to them should there be um, a need to let people know about road closures or water issues, flooding, um, a pandemic, um, economic issues. Um, and so really using that as a, as a way to help spread the word for folks who maybe aren't um, fully engaged in online or in other ways. So considering the more vulnerable uh, members of our community. Um, so those two things, the idea of the, the neighborhoods and the idea of sustainability and resiliency, Planning Commission is already uh, starting to um, have some conversations about sustainability. We've been um, just getting introduced to the topic of stormwater management and uh, landscaping, and um, we will be moving forward on those things as we get into the next few months and years. So I'm, again, happy to answer any questions. We also had a public hearing um, on that as well last week, and Planning Commission adopted the comprehensive plan and the city council is also encouraged to adopt the plan as well so that everybody's together on the same page and we can move forward together. Thank you. Who would like to make a motion? I'll make a motion, make a motion to approve uh, the comprehensive uh, as recommended by the uh, planning commission. Second. It's removed. And third. And third. Right. Um, if it's moved to second, is there any discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call, Councilmember Medley. Yes. Councilmember Shadidi. Yes. Councilmember Ferguson. Yes. Mayor Garrett. Yes. And Mayor Pro Tem Cantor. Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. Next, we have a consideration of resolution vacation of the alley west of Southfield Road between West 11 Mile Road and Sunnybrook Avenue. Uh, well, I'm not sure what that's saying right there, but vacation is scheduling <laughs> a public hearing 18129 Sunnybrook. And this, just to note, the public hearing was held on June 21st. No vote was taken, and it requires four affirmative votes all right that's uh correct madam mayor so this this petition was submitted by none other than mayor pro tempers Cantor, who happens to be in attendance this evening uh with respect to requesting vacation of the 20 wide 20 foot wide alleyway um, east of his parcel of property 
this uh, process was again was initiated and there was a public hearing held at June 20 on June 21st. Some of the comments received uh, during that public hearing uh, address whether or not this has ever been done in the city before if the city should be selling this property. Um, I did provide at that meeting unfortunately I didn't bring it with me but going back through the archives in my office uh, this this process has been utilized a number of times within the city uh, the city's never charged for this property uh, typically it's done in situations similar to this where the the once intended alley uh, was never developed the in, in this current situation the alley is being utilized for uh, parking and landscaping for the adjacent commercial businesses as well as uh, there is a building built across the end of the alley where uh, it would terminate onto West 11 Mile Road. So, um, based on the information, this, app, this request from this applicant is consistent with the city's uh, use of this process in the past. And my recommendation would be to uh, move forward with the attached resolution in your packet. Thank you. Make a motion to approve the resolution regarding the partial vacation of the public alley bounded by Sunnybrook Avenue and Southfield Road, Eleven Mile Road, and Meadowbrook Way. Um, is there any discussion? Which I think we want to talk about the tax revenue that the city is going to realize from doing this. Yeah, yeah more um, um, pro. Um, because Bruce Cantor has, uh, are you there? Right. Yeah, Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, just one second. We're trying to make Bruce stop talking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. I know, I know what you're trying to do, but, um, yeah. So, uh, I just wanted to declare that I am recusing myself, uh, from this, uh, and then can I make a comment or not? Because no, if there's questions from council, they can ask the applicant, but otherwise. Yeah. So as I was saying, this is going to increase our tax revenue by vacating it to. Albeit very, very minimally, yes, but but it's I mean, we're talking about 20 feet of property, so not a significant amount. Well, 20 by 100, but. Yeah, so, so we're capturing something we have. Okay. So Mayor Pro Any other questions? Yeah, just Mayor Pro Tem Cantor has uh, first world problems. He's the only one on video that has volunteered to increase his taxes <laughs> as we vacate <laughs> this property. So, um, but yeah, just to reiterate um, uh, Esquire Baker's statement, we've vacated uh, alleys roughly 27 times in the history, over the history. So uh, this is nothing new and there's no gaming here whatsoever. That you have my notes. Thanks, Ian. Is <laughs> <laughs> there any further discussion? He just paid attention when I when I presented last time. Right. Okay, you're none. Roll call, please. Roll call. Council Member Siddiqui? Yes. Council Member Ferguson? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Cantor? I'm recusing myself. And Council Member Medley. Yes. Motion carried. Thank you. Next, we have the um, election of the MML Workers Comp Fund trustees. 
This is the fund that we participate in and Michigan, Michigan Municipal League Compensation Fund Board of Trustees. And there are five um, seats up for election or reappointment, re-election. Re and there are five seats open. So um, <laughs> we need a, a actual nomination from this board in order for me to go ahead and to submit that. So we need a vote from you affirming that action. But even if we didn't affirm it, it's still gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a formality. <laughs> Who would like to make a motion? Make a motion to affirm the nomination as provided by the MML Workers Compensation Board and authorize the city clerk or city administrator to notify the MML before August 13th, 2021. Second. It's been moved and second. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Roll call. Council Member Ferguson? Yes. Mayor Garrett? Yes. I should say no. Mayor Cantor? Yes. Councilmember Medley? Yes. And Councilmember Siddiqui? Yes. Motion carried. <laughs> Thank you. Um, City Administrator, do you have anything that you would like to report out? Just two things. Um, it's been a long day. Um, one, I want to thank our very outstanding and dedicated staff. Um, they have put in many hours. And if you know the work that has gone on behind the scenes to make this happen, I don't know of many communities that have actually had a hybrid meeting, you know, in person combined with Zoom meeting. Um, and we made it happen. We had you know, some little technical things we had to work out, but we accommodated the, the need of our community to have a listening session in person while still keeping everyone as safe as we could because it still is a COVID environment. So we were cognizant of that. And we still have people who needed to attend via a Zoom remote environment. So how do you make all of that work? And we, we made it happen today. You know, a year ago in March, we, did, we weren't even on Zoom. And I, so to make that happen in essentially a year's time is really remarkable. And I just want to applaud everyone. If you saw us earlier today trying to figure this out, it was a little bit comical. And you're very fortunate you didn't hear me singing <laughs> while we were testing the microphones. <laughs> but I truly do want to applaud our staff and the officers and everyone to make, who made certain all of those little details behind the scene to make certain the meeting, meeting did go as smoothly as we could make it happen today. And um, I forgot what the other point was, but it was pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> but but thank you all. Thank you. City Attorney? You heard enough from me. Thank okay. <laughs> I'm going to say it, but I'm praying also um, for a planning commission. <laughs> I, I have nothing to report. Everything I would have had to report was voted on tonight, so I stand moved. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even he knows. Is there any unfinished or new business? Yeah, just unfinished business on my side. Just want to um, 
bring back up uh, the task that I had to kind of research um, how we could actually provide a service for those in need as far as mental health, as far as um, having some sort of um, contact and or company that could facilitate and or uh, meet residents uh, by way of uh, some sort of uh, city um, directed uh, initiative. So I did a, a lot of research. Obviously, I couldn't find much um, by way of uh, Oakland County, but um, what I discovered was the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services actually uh, launched a quote unquote warm line to aid persons with uh, mental health and uh, needs during COVID. So basically in a nutshell, I'll, I'll keep it as brief as possible. The warm line is actually set up and, and is designed to help individuals with long-term mental health challenges. And I'll give you guys all of this. I'll give it to the mayor as well as the city manager in an email. So uh, those with uh, mental health challenges um, who find uh, someone to talk to, someone who has uh, lived these uh, challenges themselves. So the person on the other line actually have lived the challenges and um, uh, do it while staying safe, staying at home. And also um, they can call anytime. So during these, this, this time of COVID um, where um, you know, it's a grave th threat, not just to physical health, but also to mental health. And uh, this program is in effect right now. It's activated. There is a toll-free 888 number that you can call. I will provide all of that information. And uh, I actually called the phone number just to see uh, who would answer and how would they address the call. And they were very receptive to my phone call. They're actually... Uh, people on the other line, as I stated, that have gone through mental health issues, have gone through alcoholic issues, drug issues, and they volunteer. They, they're clean and sober for many years. And people who are shut in or are isolated or are paranoid about COVID, they can simply call the phone number and that person will stay on the line uh, for as long as it takes. So they open at 10 a.m. and they close at 2 a.m. So um, Dr. Mitchell, I will forward you additional information. My goal is to point residents directly by way of our um, city website um, through uh, to, to these phone numbers and the website. So that way they can get some help as well as um, always know that there's someone out there that will need help and they can point this information to that person or individual. And that's all I have. Thank you. Um, also, coming to public comment, where the public can address the uh, council about, um, I guess, whatever is on your mind for two minutes. So, is there anyone that is um, or wants to speak? There are no hands raised at this time, Mayor. Okay. Thank you. Um, for the mayor and council comments. So I have tons of notes and I apologize that it is 1025, but I have tons of notes. Um, number one, I do commend the uh, city staff, the city administrator, uh, administration and the police department of all being here in the midst of a pandemic to, to accommodate many people that were very upset about us being on Zoom. And I looked at some other cities and you're absolutely right, other cities, they are still on Zoom because we are still 
technically in a pandemic, but I think that you all have done a really good job in being very accommodating to make sure that all voices are heard because we've got numerous numerous um, emails of saying that the residents' voices need to be heard. So you have today three different ways that you could do it. Um, also, just to go back a little bit to the cannabis thing, I appreciate everyone that tells us about the, the medicinal purposes of it and things like that, um, and that there's no bad side. I experienced the bad side of it, so that's not necessarily true. So that's a personal thing, which is inaccurate. Um, also, but what is accurate, because literally I should not be here tonight because my son has been in emergency since this afternoon at 12 o'clock, but still came here because I knew how important that this situation was. And he does have sickle cell anemia and we struggle back and forth about the whole marijuana thing. And it, it eases the pain, but it doesn't take it away. So I'm not saying that it's, you know, I wanted to say that. And lastly, I must be on somebody's hit list again because three people have texted me and called me to tell me that I was incorrect this evening. And I will be the first person to say that I am by far so sorry that I misspoke after flying in at 1 a.m. last night and responding to emails from to our citizens to make sure that I did respond and go to work and take my son to the hospital and come back here. And I misspoke when I said about the bike uh, paths. My mistake, my mistake, I'm sorry. So we did give $10,000 from the DDA and $10,000 from the city. And again, I apologize for misspeaking and being without sleep and speaking out of turn. So um, I could go on. I have had a barrage of emails that have been unkind. I don't know what happened to the Lathrop that I loved or love. love. So I said it, I corrected myself. <laughs> oh my God, for somebody else emails me and, and completely utterly dogs me out. So, um, and there was um, some comments. I had it teed up too. Kelly Garrett had it teed up. There were some comments that came through that did not get put into the packet, but all of the other comments have been put into the packet, so I'm not going to um, read them all, but please read them at your um, leisure. So the one that did not get added is from James Tate McBroom, and his is proper occupational licensure is all that is necessary to eliminate any serious liabilities and ownership, employees, or the patrons of any dispensary. Transient overall are not going to come to Lather Village to purchase marijuana. The grand majority of transactions are going to come from residents who live within a 2.5 mile radius of any said dispensary. The main concerns voiced during these proceedings should focus on how effectively license, how to effectively license and maintain standards of professionalism and safety of marijuana dispensaries in Lather Village, not on whether or not we should allow them. The other one is from, God, maybe I should have my glass one just to make it easier. Karen Miller, how can any city council member besides Kelly make an objective decision regarding allowing marijuana related, related establishments in LV? City council called for the formation of a marijuana study group. 
That group inclu included three of you, Salim, Dawn, and Ian, as well as Bruce's wife. That group came up with the recommendation to allow marijuana-related establishments. You then directed the Planning Commission, which included Bruce, to develop ordinances to allow marijuana-related establishments. Now you are going to vote on those ordinances. Your process is flawed. There is no way to do, this is no way to do business. Where are the checks and balances? And I think, I think that's all because I didn't see certain ones that I did receive in here. Is there another? Um, because I see that some of those that is in the package might be not the ones I got. The amended agenda had oh. two packets of comments. Um, this one's in there. Uh, I don't know. I didn't see it in there. Yeah, I'm sorry. So this is from Barb Kinez. As a lifelong resident of Lather Village, I can't recall a time when City Hall was so distrusted. The decisions that have been made and the direction the city is going is disgraceful. It seems a handful of oligarchies. Oligarchs. Oligarchs. Have taken it upon themselves to drive this once peaceful and beautiful bedroom community into their vision of what? What's Oligarch. the plan? Thank you. <laughs> dispensaries, liquor stores, pawn shops, these businesses bring with them a reputation. If it, it is the reputation Lather Village wants, is this, okay, whatever. No, we'd rather be a community known for healing, not dealing. Whoever thought this was a good idea needs to be fired. This issue needs to be tabled until residents get their say. Uh, is this in here? I don't want to. I know. Uh, I that. don't know if it was in there or not. I know it came through. Go ahead. So I'll let her respond. Okay. Um, this is from um, Don, and I'm so sorry. I'm going to. I can stop. Sorry. Um, this I is <laughs> he's he's a part of the uh, marijuana committee. I understand. We got it. Thank you. <laughs> I, you're breaking up. That's why I'm correcting you. It's not like I'm mansplaining. You're breaking up over here. I think there's a delay, and that's why we're laughing. Okay, thank you. God. Vetting apparently the council did not vet Don Metley very thoroughly. Did they ask about the job she was getting in the state of New York? Why did they accept her application and then vote to accept her for the position when they knew she was moving to New York? Rescind. The council should immediately rescind her appointment to that position, to the position. How can she effectively represent the residents of Lather Village from the state of New York? If you like, you may. All right, I will respond. So, um, First off, uh, I met Don when we were on the uh, marijuana committee and um, we had what I would say is um, a contentious relationship on that committee um, because I am a single mom and um, raised my daughter and he um, iterated at several occasions that marijuana led to um, 
single parenthood. And there were a lot of other things and a lot of other comments made. And so he and I had, as I said, a rather contentious relationship. As far as my qualifications and eligibility to serve on this council, um, I had initially agreed to volunteer to be on the marijuana study group. Then I was approached by um, someone who was a member of the planning and zoning commission who um, approached me and asked me to solicit or to, to submit an application. Um, I did. I submitted the application and um, there were other more qualified uh, folks at the time who were selected, very supportive of that. And then um, I submitted an application um, to be on city council. I reviewed the eligibility criteria. Um, I meet those eligibility criteria. I am still a resident of Lathrop Village, despite having um, accepted a position at Stony Brook University, where I have begun working um, remotely. I also still am employed at Wayne State University. I have um, a consulting gig in California, one in Indianapolis, um, one in Chicago, and two more in the city of Detroit. So I travel a great deal. Um, we have sold our home in the city, um, and we will be in temporary housing within the city as well. Um, and I remain a registered voter and dedicated uh, member of this community. So um, I would encourage, and I shared with um, Mayor Garrett and also with uh, Pro Tem Cantor, that um, I, I regret the fact that we will be moving on, um, you know, as the election comes in November, because I would have gladly run again. But this way, there's an open city seat that is fully competitive, and the folks who are passionate about issues will have an opportunity to run and not have to face an incumbent. So I still think it's the best of both worlds, and I hope that my service is uh, supported. Thank you. And I will say that I did bet you because when I found that, <laughs> when I found that out, I called immediately and said, "This is not a good move." And then that's when I found out about me living here still. Yes. So that's yes, I'm comfortable. So um, I think I'm done for right now because there's so much more I would like to say. And I I went through all the comments, and there are a bunch um, that just are disappointing. But that you know that's democracy. Um, does anyone else from um, council have anything that you would like to add for the good of the cause or need to be heard? I'd like to say, I want to say just one thing real quick. I just wish people would not you know, spew out blatant false falsities all the time. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous what Karen Miller said that that, that, that marijuana committee was stacked. Come on. Dawn was not a committee member, not a council person. She was somebody out of the blue that none of us knew. I was heading the committee. Ms. Ian Ferguson was an advisor. We had one council person leading the committee, which is a practice, normal practice that we have on that committee. Everyone came in with an open mind, except I would say one person. Um, and I'm not gonna mention who that is. But that, so that committee did a great job. And you know, so that, I think that's false, what she said. Other person who says that this was an ol oligarchy, whatever. I wish I was rich like an oligarch, but I guess I, I'm not. So. Obviously, doesn't know the definition of an oligarch. No. And then, and come on, Don. I mean, I've heard this rumor that Don Medley has already moved out to New York and she's uh, working from over there. She's still here. I mean, people blatantly spew out nonsense. And I'm just sick and tired of it. So that's all I wanted to comment at the end of this uh, long night. Cut it out, people. That's what I got to say. 
Wow. Okay. okay. I remember the That's other it. thing. If you, um, with sadness, but looking forward to um, his future. Uh, um, Officer oh, Rock, <laughs> Rock Upshaw's <laughs> retirement from um, the city after 23 years, and we're having the retirement celebration on Thursday, and it will be open to the public starting at 1 o'clock um, here in the um, pavilion. Should it rain, we will um, bring it indoors, but it is open to the public so everyone can wish him well. Thank you. Yeah. And I just like to sincerely thank the the, the residents, um, all residents who came and, and, and spoke. Absolutely. Um, and again, I, I do want to thank the, the residents who, who attempted to put a, a, a petition in place. Um, you know, I think your voice was heard and made us, you know, think twice. Um, and as I said earlier in my comments, you know, please, if, if you still feel uh, that, that this is the wrong decision for the city, you know, move forward with another petition for, for, for the next election. I mean, that's your right and that's, that's what you should do. But I do want to thank everybody. Um, you know, there, as, as the mayor said, there were a lot of negative comments, but there was also a lot of good discussion. Um, uh, I had some really great discussions with the people who were um, uh, against uh, the cannabis in the city and you know some of those discussions made me think about certain things again uh, I think I still came to the same conclusion personally but I do want to thank those people um, and I, I encourage everybody to stay active and keep involved be, be engaged check out the the website you know for every meeting look at the agenda and if you have issues with with anything on the agenda come to council I mean that's what we want we want people to to attend and and, and participate and be active instead of reactive when, when a decision is made. So um, but thank you everybody for taking part in the process. Thank you. I think everyone has spoken unless there's something that's burning besides my eyes. My eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. Eyes. <laughs> well, um, I would love to take a, a motion to uh, adjourn. Make a motion to adjourn. Second. All right, we'll move the second. Thank night, you guys, everyone. have a very good night. Thank you.